Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Getting Close with Mike Marbach podcast, uh, the fifth episode of the Getting Close with Mike Marbach podcast, to be exact. Uh, I am, as always, podcast. Thank you so much for for listening to these conversations over the, the few that we have had. Uh, it's been a great time for me. I really enjoy getting to know everybody, as I hope you do as well. I'm not going to take too much time talking about a bunch of uh, stories or things today because I really just want to get to the interview. I will, however, say that uh, word has just come down that uh, Here's Johnny, my show Here's Johnny, will be making its return. Wait, hang on a second. <clears throat> uh, here's Johnny, will be making its return to the Philly Improv Theater on July 8th in the year 2012. Uh, Appearing that night, our guest to be announced, but you can count for sure on Bird Archer returning as Ed McMahon, my sidekick, my friend, Ed McMahon. Yeah, so that returns July 8th, Sunday night at 8.30 p.m. It's going to be a great time. Guests will be announced. Uh, you can check out MikeMarbach.com. Check out MikeMarbach.com for information on that and also probably things posted in the Philly Comedy Network. Um, yeah, now, on to the conversation. On to getting close to the podcast. Philly comedian Rob Banowitz of Camp Woods fame and of Megan Rob fame, of course, uh, was the guest this time around on the Getting Close with Mike Marbach podcast, and uh, it was fantastic. It was it was a really, really good conversation. We talked for a while, which is part of the reason I don't want to make this any longer than it already is. Um, you can do whatever you want with that last sentence. Um, it's, uh, oh, God, it runs the, runs the whole map of Philly comedy. Uh, actually, it runs the whole map of comedy. We talk about... Uh, New York, Philly, Chicago, L.A. Um, we talk about him growing up, where he wants to go with with comedy, uh, and talks about that he that he eventually does want to go. There was there was points in the conversation that got a little a uh, little more serious. Uh, I mean, the the whole conversation when I do these things, I like to take more seriously because I really do want to get to know people. Uh, but there was actually some things that had some had some real weight to them, and I want to thank Rob for uh, allowing uh, those things to be talked about uh, because they, it really helps to paint the picture of who he is and why he does what he does. And uh, it, it was. It was a really fantastic conversation that I don't want to waste any more time getting to. So without further delay, please listen as I get close to Rob Banowitz. Rob, thank you very much for for doing this. Thank uh, you for asking me after I asked you <laughs> to ask me. <laughs> now, nah, you, you would have been, you, there's, a, there's a short list of people that I definitely want to uh, talk to. Uh, you'd be one of them. Only nice. because uh, you're able to fill in a lot of blanks uh, as far as what's ha what happened before I moved here. Oh, yeah. Before I moved back. What year did you move here? 2009. Oh, okay. Uh, so we'll probably talk about a, a good amount of things. Um, that have to do with the Philly improv, Philly comedy community prior to 2009, um, because since then I've been around. How old are you? How old am I? Uh huh. 33. Okay. 33 years old. It's the old. age Jesus died. Did you know that? 
Yeah, I did. I did know that. Yeah, uh, and I hope that doesn't happen. No, I'm not wishing that upon you. I appreciate that. Uh, well, let's go back to the beginning. Okay. Uh, not Jesus, but back to your beginnings, which may or may not parallel. I don't know just yet. Uh, Jesus's beginnings. What? Uh, what was? What was it? What was it like growing up? Uh, how many? What's your family like? Um, I had a mother and father. Uh, they were married. Okay. Uh, they stayed married. I didn't have a divorced household. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that's a... a I, I was raised Catholic. Okay. Um, Me too. So that's also why I made sure to point out that I wasn't in a divorced household. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I have an older brother and sister. My parents had me late, so I have much older brother and sister. Like how late? Um, my brother and sister were born in 69 and 70, and I was born in 82. So... 11 years? Yeah. That's so a big, big gap. Yeah, yeah, and that was kind of an accident, so... <laughs> not like an accident in the sense that, like, my parents weren't prepared, but they just weren't trying to have a kid. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh... I don't know. That's, that's kind of where I got into comedy was through my brother and sister. Because they, they loved Saturday Night Live. Um, and they were just goofy. They were just goofy people. And okay. my whole family's kind of simple in the same way. Like, they... We love to make each other laugh. So we're always kind of clowns. And I, because of that reason, that's why I was weird my whole life, I think. Yeah. is because my brother and sister were just older. So I got influenced to adult things when I was young enough to not really comprehend the bad ends of it. Yeah. So I feel like I got a head start on like sort of adult humor, but not in the sense, I guess intelligent humor, like older person humor at an earlier start. Cause I used to, you know, I, I enjoyed Saturday Night Live bits like the church ladies mm -hmm. and um, the two lounge singer sisters. And uh, because I enjoyed those on some level, I understood why it appealed to adults, and I feel like that's kind of where I started. Okay. Uh, so the the family, they're all they're all funny people. Uh, in some way or another, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd say I'd say everybody kind of is funny in a way or not. I don't know. Okay. Uh, are you? Does the, this get edited down at all, or is this some, just gonna? Okay, good. Some. <laughs> uh, like that beginning part where I was talking about your water. All right, That'll probably cool. edit it out, but that's probably it. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> where are you worried about this? Being long-winded, me being boring. No, don't worry about that. I, I, this is what I, well, this is what I want. I want people to just get okay. into specifics and details. All right, you uh, got it. I yeah. can be boring. I, I'm not concerned. Um, okay, so the, the family's all funny. At what point do you... How old are you when you when you think like you, you want to do something with comedy or that you you did your first comedic My, act? When I was, I don't, I could say eighty six, so that would be four. When I was four or five. Wow. My brother and sister, my mom and dad got a VHS camcorder, okay. which was a big deal because it was like the kind that you legitimately like put on your yeah, shoulders yeah. and like shoots directly to a full size VHS tape. Yeah. Um, and that was a huge deal. Like they were one of the only families that in, yeah. in our, our their school district and stuff like that. Um, so they would just shoot basically sketches, like single shot sketches, um, because they loved Saturday Night Live. And I would act in them. 
Like I would do little, and I would say that that VHS camera kind of changed my life because from that point on, like, and that was also the whole wave of starting to DIY in terms of video and stuff like that because people finally had the equipment easy easy access to it. So because my brother and sister did little stuff like that, I always kind of carried that with me. Yeah. Even though, like, throughout my, I guess, life, I had different goals, artistic goals. I was always artistic, but I just had different different goals in terms of where I thought would my talents would best be honed. Okay. It, it's funny to think of a on-the-shoulder VHS camcorder mm-hmm. as um, easy access yeah but i mean it, but it was yeah, like then, it was, sure i think it was like maybe a 600 or 800 dollar camera yeah. and you know it's yeah now once once these things were shot there's no youtube no we just uh, watched them just we would watch them and laugh shows. at them yeah, yeah i mean we would show them the friends i mean i i've probably watched those sketches over like i have them memorized because i've i've known them my whole my like we watched them so much because, I mean, ultimately we always entertained each other. Yeah. We weren't ever allowed to have cable, so <laughs> you, when you have... Why no cable? Uh, my dad thought it was trash. Mm-hmm. Your dad was mostly correct. Yeah. Uh, and that's still pretty true. Yeah. More so now. Well, we had a brain aneurysm and was like uh, in, a, in a coma, and that's when we got cable because we were like, oh, now's the, now's the <laughs> we, get, we got a little break, and <laughs> we kept using the excuse of like, if dad recovers, then we'll, we'll, he'll have something to watch. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. How long was your dad in a coma? Uh, very shortly. He had a brain aneurysm, and uh, he survived it, and he wasn't supposed to. Like, I went to bed one night thinking that my dad was going to die like because they were supposed to take him off life support that night. And uh, my mom has her reasons, but before she signed off on taking him off life support, she she just held off. She said she didn't want to do it, mm-hmm. and uh, she said she was going to wait. And that night he woke up, like four or five hours later. Wow! And so uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. And then he was supposed to not be able to walk and be in a coma, and then uh, or be a vegetable. Then he was supposed to not be able to walk, and then he made a perfectly full recovery. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty, it was super miraculous. And over how long of a period of, from aneurysm to full recovery? How long of a period is that? Say so he had the brain aneurysm in 98, and uh, no, not, maybe it was 99. Yeah, it was 99. Um, and then, uh, I'd say 2004, he was back, 2003 or 2004. Wow. I mean, he was he was up on his feet pretty soon, but he he wasn't necessarily all cognizantly there. Wow. Because like you, yeah, when that happens, and when he woke up, like he, his brain was still learning how to work again, and it was just flooded with weird memories and stuff. This is a fucking depressing no, no, podcast. No, is, I, I I ask a lot of questions. I get I I want to find shit out, uh, and I'm not done with that just yet. Um, so please, more about your dad's aneurysm. Um, <laughs> So, okay, so that's, that was the time to strike for cable. Um, yeah. You still have cable? Uh, we, I actually have, no, I actually have it in my apartment. They still have it. Mm-hmm. Well, my mom still has it. And, uh, yeah, um, I don't know. It's, I, I'm actually debating getting rid of it because the only good cable costs more. And, yeah. 
Yeah, there's yeah. just a lot of trash. Now you said that uh, you were raised Catholic. Uh, I went through 12 years of Catholic school up until the end of yeah, 12 years. With uh, with what happened to your your dad and your mom deciding not to. Uh, Full disclosure, she thought it was an angel. An angel whispered to her. So that's, I was I was I was looking for something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, no. I, uh, it's weird. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Awesome weird. Uh, okay, so we've got you've got cable now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you uh, now that you now that you've, uh, you've you've got the what are you watching? Um, I don't know actually. I, I was probably watching like Tom Green and Syphil and Ollie. Yeah. Like that was why I was super excited to have cable. Right. Because um, my friends at the time had it for those reasons, and I was just. I was psyched to have that. Yeah. Um, other than that, I don't know. I still don't know. I think it's just having all of that variety. Mm -hmm. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, so when you when you did these sketches with the the family, you said you you memorized them. What kind of things were? What kind of sketches were these? Uh, one was a direct like my brother played the church lady. Okay. And my sister played a character, and I, I loved horror movies at the time, so I came on as, like, four years old with a Jason mask, like, going, rah, 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 rah. like, I wouldn't, I, like, I just kept yelling. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just, uh, that was one, and that was just played like the church lady, and they were, like, laughing through it, because okay. it's just, yeah. like, they're Jimmy Fallon-ing it. Fallon-ing it. Fallon-ing. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, um... The other one was about homeless people, and that one just had me faking smoking cigarettes and, like, taking a drink from a fake liquor bottle and stuff like that. Okay. Um, another one was my sister giving a tour, like a home tour, but, like, it was around our, my parents, my parents owned an apartment building, a shitty apartment building, and, like, they were just, go, like, my, my sister was pointing out dead plants, talking how beautiful they were. <laughs> but that's, yeah, that was kind of it. Are these now on... They're completely uh, lost. Oh, no, no, none of us. No, we we went on a crazy search like I'd say five years ago, and we still can't find them. Oh shit! Yeah, it sucks because those things I would want to put on immediately when I found them, but yeah, because I just I still can't believe that it's so close to what I do now. Yeah. Oh man, I would. Uh, that would suck. Yeah. To to have it does I mean, suck. Yeah. To, to because it sounds like they were a huge part of. Yeah, we think they exist somewhere still, but you know, because my, my sister, everybody in my family is a pack rat to a certain concern in terms of like collectibles. They uh -oh. think everything's collectible. Uh oh. Um, so yeah, my sister probably took the VHS tapes and maybe left a couple, and then they got shuffled around. I don't know what happened. Do you have any of the uh, of those tendencies, those collectible tendencies? No, I actually I go the opposite. End. Yeah, you just get I rid start of everything? to purge. Yeah. yeah, I go like obsessive, but I, it's almost the opposite. Like I'm too much of an extreme. So you don't want to hang on to anything. What do what do what are some of the things that the others are hanging on, clinging on to? Um, no, it's just it's collectibles. My dad, like actual collectibles. Yeah, my dad used to sell like collect and sell trains. Okay. My sister used to collect and sell dolls. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I did used to collect things, and then I just stopped. I used to collect comic books, I used to collect mad magazines, and yeah. I just, you just get to a point where, I, I'm not going to look at them, and I'm yeah. not, 
I don't have a read, like, I'm never going to go through, like, oh, today's going to be nostalgia day where I'm going to sit there and read all my old comics and all. No. It's like, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, you're really young doing these videos with the, with the family on the VHS camcorder. Uh, what's, where, where do you go from there? Uh, is there anything that you were doing? Were you doing any plays in grade school? Uh, I was, like, theatrical in grade school, but we didn't have, really, theater in my grade school. Like, anything that involved theater that we did at school, I was somehow involved with, just because I was, I loved attention. Um, You're from Philly, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm from so right what, outside of Philly. What elementary school did you go to? St. Charles Elementary. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, I used to, I played with action figures up until about 8th grade. Like, well beyond when you should play with action figures. And I had this whole world in my head. Like, I had this whole fake television network in my head. And I would program it with individual programming that involved action figures. And then I would play out what the things were. Mm -hmm. So I always had, like, this weird structured storytelling I did, even when I used to play. And, yeah. It's weird. I, I don't know. Um... It's it's weird to think about how long I played with action figures, like well past when you should have. <laughs> what were the uh, the action figures you were playing with, and what was on this network? It was a variety. It was mostly superhero <laughs> stuff, but it was a, a it would be any ones that were kind of around the same size as GI Joes. Sure. Um, so I would take other things and use them as well, but. They had to at least be a proportion that was correct, or else I would mentally not be able to handle it. So you couldn't have, like, one of the WWF big rubber guys Yeah, yeah, no. It would just annoy the shit out of yeah, me. Yeah, okay. Well, that makes and sense. And when they punch, it doesn't make sense. Right. It's like, this guy has uh, an obvious advantage yeah. with his big hands. He's massive. Gotcha. Okay, uh, so you're pretty theatrical through elementary school. Uh, what about high school? What was high school like for you? I did musicals. I did uh, every musical I could. What did, what musicals did you do? I did, uh, we used to do, we, at first we did these, uh, out of like, out of like a production book, like really cheap musicals to put on, ones that didn't really cost a lot to license, that used maybe traditional music or like things that had gone out of, uh, uh, like public domain stuff. Okay. Uh, and those kind of sucked. They were like, give my regards to Broadway. And uh, the other one was DuckTales and Bobby Socks. And they both were awful. Um, but in terms of like actual theater, yeah. uh, we did Into the Woods. Okay. We did Jesus Christ Superstar. You did Jesus Christ Superstar? Mm -hmm. Who were you in Jesus Christ Superstar? I was Caiaphas. Okay. I was the guy who killed yeah. killed Jesus. Yeah, because I have the very like deep voice. Yeah. Like, I can do that. Um, we know the law. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they can also be really uh, off in terms of singing. Like, you don't need to... You're the bad guy, so you don't need to okay. sound pretty. Sure. Um, what else did we do? We did Anything Goes. Um, I was the uptight British guy, Evelyn Oakley. Okay. Um, and then we did... Uh, what was the fucking other one? I can't remember the other one. For okay. the life of me, um, but I, I had my first kiss on stage. Whoa! Yeah, I I I, uh, I didn't I didn't hook up with a girl as we call it until like my senior year of high school, and that was like French kissing a girl. Okay. I don't know if it was banging a girl in your school. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, my first ever like just on the mouth kiss of somebody who wasn't a relative was uh, on stage. You're kissing relatives on the mouth? No, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's cool. First on stage kiss. Yeah. Uh, what high school was that? That was uh, Conwell Egan Catholic. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I went. To, I'm. I went to school in Philly because uh, I. I was only not in Philly from 2000. Five to 2009, mm -hmm. uh, but I, I was at St. Martin of Tours. Oh, okay. And then Cardinal Doherty. Yeah, our ba basketball teams played your basketball team. Yeah, they probably, yeah, I'm sure. I didn't uh, play basketball. I didn't either, uh, nor did I go to see yeah. any of the basketball playing. But you heard about it over the loudspeaker yeah. in the morning. and we watched it on the on the news in yeah. our little TVs in the morning. Sure. <laughs> I, know, I know it existed. Yeah. Uh, I know there was a whole life around it. But I was not a part of that, no. unfortunately. Um, but that I mean, that brings up a a question that was posed by Andrew Stanton, <laughs> whether he meant it as a bit or not uh, is kind of relevant. Relevant. Uh, but were you were you a popular kid in high school? Now doing all these musicals and everything, my mind goes one way. Uh, but I uh, I had immunity actually because I went to a grade school with a bunch of like little shitty kids. Like so. If you were able to withstand my grade school, all the kids that went to my grade schools, like, were bullies or the popular kids in every other school. Okay. So I, when I went to, like, my high school, all the bad kids and all the really popular kids in my school were kids from my grade school whose mothers I knew, who I played with. So I kind of, I could be a geek and I could be... A drama. We called them drama fags because we were we were uh, not not politically correct yeah. then. Um, but uh, yeah, because we like I had there was literally one time when I was walking with one of my best friends, and this kid passed by us and went like, "JC, you're a faggot. What's up, Rob?" Like so, they just like that was exact. Like he called my friend the worst name he could, and yeah. then was just like, "Hey," he gave me like a hey. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. How's it going? And it's probably because, like, I knew his mother, and I'd seen him get pulled by his ear, like, yeah. through the hallway, and it's just like, you know, when you have that kind of base, you see all those early humiliations, I kind yeah. of got to slide. Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't always, I mean, it doesn't always go like that. No, um, not at all. And sometimes you're made an example of, which right. kids, I, I also saw happen to other kids, but I guess... I was always I always used like humor and being weird as a as a good defense mechanism. Whether like I wasn't I wasn't necessarily the kind of kid who was weird in the sense he would sit in the corner and not talk to anybody and then piss his pants every once in a while. Like I was I was more like the sociable weird kid that people said was weird, but I was always still sociable. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good that you had that uh, sort of immunity. From uh, from things, so you didn't have to worry about. You could do all the the creative things and not necessarily have to worry about yeah. the, the uh, repercussions that many other kids might go through. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so that was kind of posed a little bit by Andrew Stanton mm -hmm. of Kate and Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah. Thanks for the question, Andrew. Yeah. And also King Friday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, all right, so uh, anything else happened in high school that, that you did that kind of helped to push you in this direction? Uh, I really liked Ween, so I used to, like, home... The group Ween? Yeah, I used okay. to home record... Teenage Dirtbag Ween? 
No, no, that's that's Weedus. Weedus uh, okay, pushed yeah, the little yeah. daisies. They're okay. more they they were really drug influenced, Weed. and they used to like record four track recordings and all this weird stuff. <laughs> and like me and my friends in high school would listen to it. So we used to one of my friends got a four track, and we used to record all of these like just weird songs and that was kind of like one of like along with plays they were the two main creative things i used to do then okay i always kind of was a diy in one way or another like i wanted to always make something yeah were you uh with this kind of diy um you're gonna edit the good portion of this first half out right yeah probably not um with with that sort of thinking were you always at the kind of forefront of a lot of the newer technologies that have that have come out? Like when YouTube came out, and when and it, it existed, were you like, "Oh shit, we gotta, we gotta get up videos"? Did you like gather people up? Or um, something, that well, sort of before thing? before YouTube, there was just uh, oh, I just said that in such a Philly accent. Or YouTube. YouTube. Um, before you, yo, YouTube. Uh, yeah, before that, um. You, you used to put up QuickTime videos. You'd have, like, yeah. streaming QuickTime videos. So, you know, I I worked really hard to get all that kind of stuff working. Yeah. And then once I finally kind of learned it and had a good rapport with it, YouTube came out and just made it a hell of a lot easier to yeah. distribute videos. Because, yeah, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny because even editing systems now still have all those settings. And, no, like, you don't need to worry about that at all yeah. anymore. Yeah. Just do a high quality and just yeah. kick it out. I had a, a website years ago. Uh, I had MikeMarbach.com, which I now have again. But when I was doing it before, it was like through AngelFire and GeoCities mm-hmm. and Hometown AOL, and I was in, I was encoding everything myself. And now there's been like six years or seven years since I've done anything with it. And now you use a website to create your website. Right. Uh, and I didn't know what I was doing. It was WordPress, and like it's it was so simple i didn't know what the i didn't know how yeah to do you wanted anything. to make it more complicated yeah. than it was i do the same thing yeah because um, it took me forever to learn wordpress and then once i learned it i'm like jesus i yeah, was dumb <laughs> like i just overthought this yeah they have so many different things that you could just click on it and all the you don't have to encode shit yeah ah the future the future is now. Do you still have the songs that you would make up yeah oh yeah, yeah. okay so those aren't lost like the no no those things Still get played every once. I still like them. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, uh, are they anywhere that anybody else can hear them? Or no. Mainly your. No, I mean your... I'll pull them out every once in a while and play them for people. Like I, I, I think I played them for members of Camp Woods. And, okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure Meg's heard them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those uh, I still think they're one of my favorite things I've done creatively. Just personally, because it was just such a... Like, when I look back on it, I'm like, wow, this is, like, so original for my age. Like, for what I would... Like, like it's just... It's completely off the wall and weird, and it's yeah. very Ween-like. Like, I just... I like that it... It... We... You know, it's like you mimic the people you like, and then you automatically put your own spin on it. And that I, that's exactly what happened, and I'm still happy with them. Just never release them. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, high school, you're doing musicals. Uh, was there any sort of... Uh, what do I want to say? Well, let me just ask you what your influences were outside of SNL and Ween. Is there anything that you saw 
uh, any stand ups that you were watching at any point? Not at that age. Stand-up? No, I didn't watch. I didn't watch stand up until until I started doing comedy. To be honest with you, because um, I didn't really, I didn't really know. It always just seemed boring to me, like because to be honest with you, it was yeah. just it was like a single guy standing on stage, recounting something that happened to him. <clears throat> um, I always liked the bells and whistles, and I like to be. I mean, I, I guess I'm a, mem- a member of MTV generation, where you just want to yeah. be engaged constantly. Um, so yeah, I just I didn't start really appreciating stand-up comedians until I started doing comedy and seeing them regularly and how funny they can be and uh, yeah I was always just I, I, I've always kind of been 100% in the sketch wheelhouse I've never I've never really been influenced by other types of comedy it's always been like cartoons TV shows and and sketch sketch comedy pretty heavily yeah well I could see that I mean Having done those videos at such an early age, mm-hmm. we got to find those videos. Yeah, we got to get get a get somebody in there, tear through that house. Yeah, man. Is where where is it at? The parents' house, somewhere in there. Maybe think? or at my sister's house. Those okay. two are the record keepers. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, what about college age? Did you go to college? Yes. Where, where did you go? Went to Drexel University. I've heard of it. Yeah, it's yeah. in uh, the fine city of Philadelphia. Also, uh, some place that I've heard of. Yeah. Um, what did you major in? Uh, I majored in computer science and then information systems and then corporate communications and that's okay. what I that's what I got out of there with. Now, having done all of the theater stuff and being so interested in comedy, why computer science and my parents weren't going to foot the bill, yeah, or at least foot partial parts of the bill uh, unless I was getting a career that right. paid. Um, so they looked at sketch not sketch I really at this point I wanted to be a filmmaker that's what I wanted to be like okay. I, I imagined myself a director at some point um, and uh, yeah it's just um, college I kept I had to do this uh, major that my parents wanted me to do but at the same time, like, you know, there's film. So I immediately, as soon as you could start applying for a minor, I applied for film as my minor. Um, and so when I immediately did that, I just kept I was putting all my effort into my minor. And I f- was failing and flunking out of my major. So I'm, I'm, I keep progressing along. I keep, I'm t- retaking courses. And uh, eventually... I uh, I gave up on on computer science and I said, Mom, listen, I'm gonna switch my major to information systems and I talked my way into that because it was more humanities based and I thought I could take more humanities courses. Um, all the while, like I'm making short films in my major and and that kind of stuff and my minor. Um, so I dumb it down to that and. Uh, I dumb it down again to corporate communications because I, I I basically get to a point where I'm like I need to I need to do film I need to do something related with film so when I was taking my minors I I made a documentary about my mom because I hadn't known anything about her history or her life so I like just basically interviewed her and filled in the blanks and we went back to places that she grew up and she told me stories and uh, I it was pretty it was an intense 
documentary. Like it's not it's not a light documentary by any accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to sell it to WYVE, which is a local public television uh, channel, and they paid me a uh, hundred dollars a minute. And the the documentary was fourteen minutes, so I was able to turn a student film that I had done into fourteen hundred dollars. And I basically showed that to my mom, and I said, listen, I'm doing this whether you agree with it or not. Yeah. And I said to her, my agreement I made with her was, if I cannot get a job within a year of graduating, I'll go back to school for nursing. Because that was something that she knew was solid, you could always get a job in, because my sister had done it, and like, you know, she always knew that my sister quickly rose up the ladder in nursing if you're competent. Okay. Um... So yeah, I just, I spent all the time, I spent the entire amount of time working on film and then, uh, you know, corporate communications was no major whatsoever. It was so loose that I was able to use the science courses I had taken to basically cover me for science for the rest of the year, for the rest of the, uh, the, um, for the rest of college. And then the, the humanities, uh, like any humanities stuff was easy. It's, I mean, humanities courses are easy as shit for me. Like, it's a, people who have, like, a humanities major, they have to be passionate about something, or else you're just, I mean, you, you probably know, it's just there's, there's folks who really, really, really struggle to get any job in the field, because there's too many people to me who, I think, automatically think a college degree means you get a job, and they don't really put effort into anything. Yeah. Whether or not, uh, yeah. And any sort of side project I've done, I've been passionate enough about that it's always helped me professionally. Yeah. Because, like, the short films I had done made... Uh, the first place I got a television job was QVC, the Home Shopping Network. Um, and uh, I had gotten that job by basically telling them to take a chance on me as a IT major because I had all these short films that I had done because that was something passionate that I really put a lot of effort into. Um, so eventually she, uh, um, eventually I basically did good enough at QVC during my internship, my co-op, that they wanted to hire me basically right out of college and even sooner because somebody quit and like four months beforehand I had to basically go to college and work a job. Um, just so I could, you know, you want to keep that on lockdown, so. Um, and then I rolled into that. That's where I met Meg. Um, I QVC? Yeah. She worked at, uh, me and her both worked at QVC. Did you know, or do you know, uh, Marissa O'Neill? I don't know. Because she worked, uh, or has worked. Has she gotten married recently? Uh, I think she got married a while back. Because I don't, like, I don't know. Uh, I may... I knew people by face and looks. I didn't... There were so many people that worked there. It's like yeah. this huge mothership. And uh, I dealt with a lot of people because I did their commercials. Like, mm-hmm. they do their commercials for their in-house shows in-house. Okay. So I did the commercials there. And that's where I met a lot of creative... Mikey Gleason, the stand-up comedian, mm-hmm. uh, he he works at QVC. He okay. worked with me. Um, yeah, Meg worked there shortly. She was the first to quit. Um, because of the course, first of, of many. Well, yeah, I I quit, but it okay. was a real real struggle for me because I quit in the middle of a recession to pursue comedy. Yeah, and uh, I learned that I I uh, I can't I need to 
I need to work. Like, I'm not somebody who can't not work. And I'm not also somebody who wasn't, I wasn't good enough at the point that I did that to really sit down and write all day. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't something I was, I was really capable of doing yet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, that was something I really struggled with. Okay. But that was also something that really freed me. Like it was the best decision I ever made. Quitting there. Yep. Okay. Cause I said that place was like hypothermia. It's like, uh, you, you think you're warm, but you don't realize you're freezing to death. Cause it was like, the place has great benefits. Yeah. Pays really well. Um, but it's an hour outside of Philadelphia where yeah. I'm doing all my performing yeah. and like, uh, yeah, the commute's just hell. The commute yeah. sucks. Well, I think a lot of people in comedy that have day jobs, like myself, uh, get into that, get, have that sort of hypothermic yeah. day job. No, I know, and like uh, it's that's the it's, and it sucks. <laughs> and like the like it's it's one thing, it's one for me. It's one thing when it's literally just a job that is a job. You're getting money out of it. It's not a high stress job. It's like you can. What happened at QVC was I was just, I was overthinking my whole life and career. Like, I, I feel like I've had, like, a couple midlife crises already. Um, because, like, I really, like, I, everything, you know, comedy, you feel like, I, you know, I always feel like I'm behind when I'm doing comedy. Um, in the sense of, like, you know, you see these other people succeeding and you compare your age yeah. to those people and it just drives you yeah, nuts. Yeah, it does. Drives you, it drives you psychotically yeah. nuts. And then you always have those people who are like, Rodney Dangerfield. You're like, fuck <laughs> you. Like, I don't give a shit about Rodney he Dangerfield. He didn't do anything until he was sick. Right, <laughs> yeah. You're like, no, he did do something. He just consistently <laughs> failed at it. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I just, I hate that kind of shit because, yeah. you know, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I need to, I need to do something. Like... I I, uh, I always say like you know I keep I keep teasing my wife about it because it, eventually you know it, I need to I need to move to either New York or California I, I it's it's a foregone conclusion if I want to continue pursuing comedy mm-hmm. um, whether or not yeah it's just one of those things where whether or not I do that is I don't know I don't know I I want to but I need to. I need to sort of, I've been putting my feelers out, like, you know, I, like, we've been applying, we, we started applying for Spank at UCB, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, we've taken classes up there and gotten, like, me, Pat, and Sam have all taken classes up there, and Steve Swan, um, and uh, awesome feedback. Like, it was the last class we took, the second level one, uh, was one of the most, that and the Kevin McDonald class we recently taken, they were... They were some of the most, uh, uh, I forget what the word is. Um, it was just v- validation. It was okay. just an intense validation. Yeah. Because, you know. That you're good. Right. Talented. Making, making, Kevin, right, making Kevin McDonald laugh, somebody who I like yeah. legitimately love. Yeah. Like, I think he's really, he, I mean, every sketch thing that is done in Philadelphia is somehow involved. It, it is somehow influenced by kids in the hall like you can't you yeah. can't get around it because every group's kind of kind of influencing each other because you see what works but um yeah so it was just having that guy kind of be effusive about my skills personally talking to me and saying you're good yeah. like was a great feeling and uh this other class like and that was just you know getting up and performing and just coming up with the ideas that are immediately off your head um 
doing like I get like we basically would improv the scene, like work on a scene after we improv it over and over again, and kind of write it after our first improv, mm -hmm. focus things and kind of make the game. Um, whereas the, the UCB class was the complete opposite of that. It was a lot of just writing. And just sitting down and writing and working on things, and uh, that class was both like a breakthrough, and it it, it was another. It, it had validation to it, like it it made me um, made me really excited about my own skills. Okay. So like that's what makes me want to apply and do more up in New York. Right. And you know it it's what's really amazing about the shows we put on here is that we can really experiment. Yeah. And every time we like because. Uh, we plan on doing, we we do do a new show every month. And what's plus? Yep. And in doing that, uh, it makes us get shit out of our system. Mm -hmm. And it also makes us engage with an audience on a level that we're constantly trying stuff and seeing what works about ourselves. And, and uh, you know, Brendan Kennedy is always a big... Uh, a big proponent of like finding out what's funny about you and like your voice mm -hmm. and stuff like that and like that's the one thing the UCB instructor said to us Brandon Bassam is his name uh, I would highly recommend taking a class with him if you're so inclined to do that uh, one thing he said about it, us is that we all have a voice already and that's one of the hard things to find and yeah. I feel like that's the one thing about Camp Woods that we're constantly doing to each other is um, molding our voices because what we all find about each other, like what we find, everybody in Camp Woods is equal. Like I would never say anybody in my group uh, is is either funnier than me or not funnier than I. Not even I think everybody's funnier than me because I'm a head case. But um, you know, we all we all want to hang right. with each other, so we're constantly pushing each other, right. and that's what these shows have become. Like some of the sketches that we do in these shows are true experimentations in the form of like you know people will say things are experimental but they have a very specific thing in mind they want to get out of it or they they have a very specific response they think they're going to get from it um that to me isn't experimental like you could do a weird film knowing it's a weird film expecting people to be like that's a weird film yeah. but i feel like we do things that are and it's it's worked out really well where it's different than that. We don't we're sometimes absurd just for the point of being absurd. Yeah. But I feel like there's a good experimental nature to all of us where we all kind of hit the same note where we're like, eh, let's see if this works. Like, let's see what this does." Yeah. And some things have gone wildly successful and other things have just fallen super flat on their face. We'll get back to some Camp Wood stuff uh, as far as uh wildly successful and uh, falling flat on the face, but I wanted to jump back a little bit uh, to... we got a few things here. Uh, you sold this documentary mm -hmm. uh, to... Who was it? What was the station? Uh, WYBE. What made you even think to do that? Uh, I was looking for an out. Like, I was looking for these opportunities. I was looking, like... I was sending I was sending my stuff to festivals that I had no business ever sending them to. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you get to yeah. I feel like I was delusional at that time, but I feel like you always feel like a younger version of yourself is delusional in some way or another. Yeah. So it's like I look back on that person and I'm like, "Oh man, you were sending that to that festival like and yeah. paying like $25, $50 for application fees." Wow. 
and uh, you know just going out there like you know I before I, I got my co-op at QVC I had to do science and technology co-ops I did my first co-op was fixing uh, computers for the school district of Philly and like I did that for six months and I you know you had to know what you're doing but it <clears throat> that money would always go right into making films or doing something creative um, or drinking like at the time um, uh, like, yeah, I would say, like, I, it's funny now to think about how many nights out I would be completely comfortable with paying an $80 bill at a bar. Yeah. Like, because I was yeah. getting paid decently at, at the worst age to get paid decently. <laughs> like, you're a sophomore in college and you just learned how to drink. So yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to blow this great QVC money that I'm making or this yeah. great school district money or uh it wasn't great school district money but it was money you know it was yeah. my first time making real money as opposed to yeah. uh amc theaters money which is where i worked uh, uh in high school okay how was that i liked it yeah um i didn't want to work with food so i used to like whenever they put me in concession i used to fuck up a lot on purpose <laughs> like during high traffic times um opening just, nights of, yeah uh, seriously i would well, and that was the thing. It would just piss me off because, but that, like, the thing that was great is like I remember the excitement of and confusion when I saw when I first saw the Rushmore trailer. Like, there's these uh, things that I remember from there that like sort of later defined me. Yeah. That uh, like because Rushmore was Rushmore and Pulp Fiction were like two films that completely changed me. Okay. And like Pulp Fiction, I saw in the theater at 13 because my friend's dad like we would get our parents to buy us tickets are rated movies and our parents would only object if they heard bad things about it or stuff like that okay. and Pulp Fiction I mean people were saying it was a, a classic a, a, like an instant classic all this positive uh, stuff oh John Travolta's come back right 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 yeah. my, so my parents they didn't go to movies neither did my buddy's parents so we got his and my brother saw it beforehand so he was like listen when they go into a back room turn your head and it's the gimp scene and I was like I didn't watch it and I just remember looking I, it's such a distinct memory me turning and seeing like my butter, my buddy's little brother who is a year younger than us just being like <laughs> I like this guy getting ass raped and like it's just uh, spoiler alert yeah um, <laughs> I think we're safe yeah but like it's it's 15 one of, years yeah it's one of those things where yeah it that movie and then seeing we went this is how geeky I was after my junior prom I went to see Rushmore at midnight and uh, yeah so that was how cool I was um, how it, did these movies uh, and I guess you're kind of touching on it uh, how exactly did they how did Pulp Fiction change or influence you everything I tell is every story I tell visually is completely influenced by that film so it's like it's it also is why I love, it wasn't because of Pulp Fiction, but I didn't realize it until, it was because of Pulp Fiction, but I didn't realize it until later. Like, I used to love horror from when I was, like, six on. Like, yeah. I mean, obsessed with horror. Like, I got in trouble in kindergarten because I did finger paintings of Freddy Krueger and Jason and all that stuff. And my my mom got called in, and, like, they, they said to her, um, they were like, these are... Disturbed. And my mom was like, oh, no, that's Freddy, that's Jason, like, he's fine, like, he watched those movies, although they're like, you let him, but I would watch the edited TV versions or stuff like that, so it wasn't a big deal, but... Yeah, my dad raised us, me and my sisters, on that show. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, it, I, I think that if your parents are fine, and, like, you, you don't have other issues, you don't escape through those movies in the same way, um, 
so I had no problem with it. But that also like just led my my ability to take in grotesque or violent things. It's completely desensitized. Yep. Yeah, me too. Um, so so in that way, I always searched out these things. So when I was in uh, high, high school, I really really got into exhumed films, which is this local thing that they uh, they show horror films on original film and they're all old things and they, they pull things out that these old, not classics, but these exploitation films. That's why Quentin Tarantino's movie Grindhouse was really exciting for mm -hmm. me because he was doing an homage to these films that I loved. Okay. Um, and I still go. I mean, I've, I've gone with the, the Fico brothers, Christian and Billy, and like I've gone with Doogie. Like We've gone to the film festivals around here because we all have that kind of same sensibility. And... They're they're great, like. But you you, when I watch anything we do, and Billy's the same way, um, you can just see those influences. See that, yeah. uh, like I just shot a short film, um, a short film, a sketch. What's the difference anymore? Um, that I mean, I even said to Billy when we were writing, when we were doing it, it was like, uh, I was like, dude, let's try to do like Wes Anderson framing. And, and we did our best, and it looks great because Billy's really good at shooting sh uh, stuff. Um, but yeah, it's it, those guys will always be, I'd say, my two, my two biggest like film influences. Because I, I yeah, because I'll always kind of end the movie The Graduate. The okay. movie The Graduate yeah. is one of the like in Mike Nichols' work in general. Yeah, like because I loved Closer too, and I liked Carnal Knowledge. Um, and I like the Nichols and May stuff. Because mm -hmm. um, I went into a real big phase where I was like getting into them because I think me and Meg's uh, Improv 102 teacher at FIT like said, oh, you guys are like Nichols and May. And so like me and her like took that as a big grand compliment and got real into them. So You took improv classes at FIT? Yeah, yeah. I took who, was your, who were your teachers? Um, Instructors. 101 was Greg Maughan. Uh, I've heard of this guy, but uh, I uh, I I took like one or two classes, and because I was working all the time, like I had to work QVC. You had to work two weeks day shift, two weeks night shift, two weeks day shift, two weeks night shift. So two weeks night shift, I couldn't do things. So if you can't take the the time off, or you right. can't, because I, I I'm always optimistic that oh I'll be able to shift my schedule and stuff like that. So it didn't work out, and then uh, because we were. At the time, me and Meg were doing shows already. Like it wasn't necessarily a big learning thing. He let me jump ahead to 102, and so I took that with David Warwick, and he was the one okay. who said it. Um, and I, David Warwick, was the guy who made me appreciate improv a lot because, uh, as as most sketch people are, I, I was immediately turned off by improv when I first saw it because what's, you just, yeah. What, what what's that about? Because you, um, once you see it, when you see it done well, it's a, it's a great experience. Yeah. And the first time I saw it was Rare Bird Show and they were great. Like they were just on their A game and mm -hmm. it was, it was magical. And from that point on, I had not seen a good improv show. <laughs> Because it was just, I mean, and it's also because I was in the local comedy scene. Yeah. And when you're in a fledgling local comedy scene, like it's a lot stronger now, but yeah. when you're in that, you're seeing a lot more people learn. Yeah. You're seeing yeah. them learn. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and, and, you know, we were all, 
I feel like the 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 scene kind of congealed around the same time, and that's probably uh, my own uh, self obsession. I'd like to think of myself as like an epicenter or something. Um, but like you know, in the same year, Fit kind of got started. You know, Greg Greg Gethard was doing his bedtime story show, and Don Montre was doing his Die Actor Die show, and um, you know, those shows were kind of where I met Kent Haynes and where I met Doogie Horner and where, I, you know, I met Secret Pants. And, like, Secret Pants were the only established thing, but... Uh, and they had been around. Yeah. But, I mean, like, these were all people who I eventually would be doing all these shows with. Like, because yeah. there was such a... There was so few comedy acts you did... Like, you were constantly doing shows because everybody was booking each other because at the same time there was a lot of people starting their own shows. Yeah. So when there's more comedy that's starting just out of the blue, it's all going to be bad. And so I saw just a tremendous amount of shitty improv. A lot of bad improv. Yeah. And then, like, I, of course I was going the opposite end being like, you know, all improv sucks and, you know, we're, what we're doing is the real funny stuff. Yeah. It's, I think everybody who, whatever their main focus is, they think it's the sure. best. Stand-ups think their stuff is the best, and I think it's, some of it's bullshit. Um, it, and it's the same with improv. It's yeah. like, I, I feel like some of it's great, and some of it's bullshit. Um, and, you know, sketch is the same way. I just think mm -hmm. sketch is the peak of comedy. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. But, yeah, so it's a, it's one of those things. It's like, eventually, I really warmed up to it. And, and you know... David was kind of part of me warming up to it, and then and then like that kind of waned a little bit because I just kept seeing bad shows, and and I didn't feel I never felt confident in my own abilities to do it, and that's also probably a reason that I would be like, oh fuck that, you know what I mean? Like because it's like I would fail at it, yeah, and I don't like uh, I don't do things that I think I'm gonna fail at, like in terms of of like in in general pur purpose performing, like I. I when I started doing sketch, I thought that what I was doing was great, or else I wouldn't have done it. Right. So it's like I don't, I'm, I, I haven't quite learned the skill of failing a lot until I sort of settled more into sketch. Yeah. Like where it's like I would actively seek out failing just to test the audience in some way or another, and that's also what happens when you just get bored. Yeah. That's why, like you know, it, uh, when you see like sketch groups that start out trying to do like all the absurd stuff it like never works out because they just don't they don't like you should just try to do the basics and then and then break the rules as you go on mm -hmm. cool yeah okay uh so when you're in the the improv class that's around the time fit started so uh, I, when six, did fit start oh five oh six ish yeah and that that makes sense because that's when me and meg started performing okay Right? Uh, which is good, because that was what I was going to talk about, Meg and Rob. Uh, Rob being you, and Meg being Meg. Yeah, we might have started in 2006, too, now that I'm thinking about it. And you met at QVC. We met at QVC. At what point do you... Now, do you say to her, hey, let's she do says, this? Oh, she, she said it to me, because, I, I mean, I, would, I was still... I was still really engaged with filmmaking, and, like... I would constantly try to get people at QVC to try to shoot short films, like because they were all videographers and stuff like this, so they could make things really, really pretty. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, I need to take advantage of this. Yeah. And we did the uh, we did the 48 hour film challenge, like me, Mike Gleason, Meg, 
and all like a bunch of people and that that short film is actually online and uh you know it was written by mike leeson and meg and me like mike leeson wrote most of it and it, it it won the 48 up film challenge for writing and like you know we i was really happy with how it turned out even though it was like a harrowing experience because i was i was 26 and like i'm directing a crew of guys who are like 40 and 50 and like 30 and like everybody because Mike Leeson's older than me like mm -hmm. you know I'm, I'm sure everybody thought I was fucking up and I was doing things wrong but I somehow managed the ship to bay like I, I got it there even though for me it was intensely stressful yeah um so I, I kept doing short films and then Meg knew I liked sketch comedy I knew she liked it and I think just eventually she asked me to, if we wanted to start a group we were also both at the same time like we were meeting up and going to puppet karaoke in the city it was at the m room it's what it sounds like it's oh, like guys, yeah, okay. the guy the, the guys who ran it would do a long table of puppet making material um or you could bring your own which is because i'm BYOP, a, sure. yeah i'm a big geek so i made my own puppet at home and really and uh yeah so we would come in and basically I guess improv bits with the hosts, but we would come in with like a main idea of what our character was like and details and have it fleshed out in our head, and then we would just fuck around with the hosts okay. and their puppets and stuff like that. And we would do this all like we were basically writing sketches. And our first performance was there was a uh, there was a Pixies tribute night, and so me and Meg took our puppets that we made and like did a little bit about the Pixies because everybody was covering Pixie songs, and we did uh, the little. Are you familiar with the Pixies? Uh, not very closely. I think on Surfer Rosa, there's this one track that's just basically, um, like, dialogue. So we did that as puppets. Okay. And, like, it's, a, it's like, it says fuck a lot. and So, so um, yeah, we, we, like, it went over huge. So we were like, shit, like, you know, you just realize you have a pretty good di dynamic yeah. and stuff like that. So I eventually she just straight up asked me if we wanted to do it. Um, and yet... We started, we, we put up a fringe show. What, what, what did she, exactly did she say? Did she say, hey, do you want to be a comedy duo? She said, who wants to start a sketch group? And it was me, Mike Leeson, and a couple other she people. She posed this yeah. in an email? or No, it, it, just at a lunch table. Okay. And, and uh, you were the only one that said, yeah? No, I think Mike did too, or he was, but he was busy at the time. Like, he was engaged with his own stuff. Okay. Um, and, and me and Meg also both lived in the city. So that way we could just work together all the time. Right. So she had a uh, she had a bunch of monologues that she had written, like humorous monologues, mm -hmm. and she wanted to do like a, a lecture circuit, like um, Tom uh, fuck not Tom Sawyer. Who wrote Tom Sawyer? Mark uh, Twain. Twain. Mark Twain used to do um, these lecture circuits, which they were just humorous monologuing. Mm -hmm. um, so she wrote these basically like kids in the hall type long long form monologues mm -hmm. and uh, we we put up it as a fringe show like we okay. did we fleshed out the characters and we alternated we came out and did and it was my first like that was like our first like f official show um, as Megan Rob like so that was at 06 yeah yeah Alt 06 I think so I don't know okay. I'll be completely alright I'll have my, my intern check it out okay so 2006 ish you have the first Megan Rob show. What is yep. it called? Uh, reviving the lecture circuit. Reviving the lecture circuit. Yep. Okay. How'd it go over? Uh, good. Did you say not good? No, good. Oh, good. I'd say I'd say good. 
Um, it went over great because it was really our first show. And it, those first shows you do are always really good because it's filled with friends and family mm -hmm. who are just like excited to see you acting goofy. Yeah, sure. Um, so those shows were great. Like I, I have really fond memories of them. Okay. Um, but and some of the bits really still held hold up. Like, I think Meg still does the bit we closed with in her her one person shows um, because it's like some of the bits were really great. Like we would really kill with them. Um, some of them were just long winded, but you know that was still us just trying to learn how to how to interact with audiences. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we were we were ha like we and and that went well enough that we started writing just like individual sketches, and we premiered doing Don Montre's Die Act to Die, and I think like I think Kent was on that show, and like Dave Walk was there covering it for uh, just shooting. I don't know if Comicverse audience existed yet, but like you know, Secret Pants was there. Like all these guys were just there hanging out because the comedy scene was just self supportive. Yeah. Um, and it went really good because, you know, there wasn't, there was Secret Pants and then the Animosity Pierre, but like, you know, Meg was also like the first like real girl, powerful girl, because like Sam, Sam Russell's great and she's powerful. I didn't mean to say that. Um, like she's a great performer and she, she carries her own among a bunch of douchebags. But, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I know Sam. Sam, Sam Russell? Russell? No. She's the redhead. She's in the secret pants. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I know her. I just don't know the name. Yeah, okay. Sam. Now I know it. Um, yeah, she's... She's, like, I feel like she's one of the most underrated performers in Philly. Because she's, she's always exceptional in her roles. But, like, she's good enough that people don't notice because she doesn't fuck up much. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. she doesn't... She's real precise. Um, but, like, you know, Meg, Meg was the same way. And, like... You know she's she's an attractive girl, so I'm not gonna say that didn't have something to do with it. But her and I are both loud. Like I, Conwell Egan didn't have a audio system. Uh, they had a really bad one actually, but they they didn't. They the auditorium wasn't meant for music. Like okay. it wasn't it wasn't made for that. It eventually got refurbished as we were doing stuff because our musicals were actually entertaining. Um, but uh, because of that, like, projection was always railed into us. And that was one of the most invaluable things I learned. Like, because that's the number one problem with sketch performers. Yeah. Number one. Yeah, I because it, absolutely you, agree. You don't have that problem with improv because a majority of them are just theater people. Yeah. Um, but So you'll get always improv people, or I, I typically find, don't have that problem with a few exceptions. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, it's just uh, it, it because me and Meg started out doing that kind of stuff, and I think immediately talked loudly and and had that bit of theatricality to it. We immediately were getting booked on little shows here and little shows there, yeah. and we let bedtime stories keep us motivated, motivated because we kept uh, writing for it. Okay, and so that was a reason to. I'm one of those people who needs deadlines. I need deadlines, yeah, and that's the yeah. best thing about sketch is like you. Once you get on a roll, you can keep booking shows, and mm -hmm. you're like, "Fuck, I got to do something for this show," and yeah. that's how I always am. Yeah. Um, yeah, I absolutely. I can totally relate to that uh, because if I don't have a deadline, 
shit won't happen. Right. Things won't get done. Uh, the Here's Johnny show that I did May 29th, I was uh, maybe two months prior to that, I was talking to Greg, maybe a month and a half before that, because uh, I've mentioned that show to him many times. And he's like, so when is this going to happen? I was like, Please pick a date. Yeah, you just put it in there. You, yep. you tell me. Just put when. it in there, and I'm good. Yeah, uh, I'll show up with yeah. an idea. Like, yeah, Please I know that. Pick 100%. a date, put it on the schedule, and then I will do it. Right. But if you're asking me for a date, uh, you know, it's uh, it's never it's never going to come together. And now there's another one uh, on July 8th. Um, so now I got to do shit right. for that. Now you I have to figure that. out yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. And that was that was the main thing with Camp Woods Plus is it was right. just a con- it's a constant deadline. Yeah. And even, like we're doing a, a show about David Lynch coming up and yeah, it, Brendan was telling me. Yeah, and and that that show I think is going to be one of the funniest shows we've done. Period. Because and I don't know why. Like I don't have any explanation, but I feel like. The stuff everybody brought to the table for this, like it was just a good inspiration for us yeah. because everybody's coming with great ideas and and great sketches. Um, but that was one of the reasons why me and Meg did that kind of stuff was because it it constantly presented a deadline to us, and uh, yeah, I mean we would, it, you know that that also meant that we would get bored, like we would we would get behind because we both had jobs, yeah, and. Uh, we because we got behind, we ended up doing the same material a lot, and you know, it's it's funny to think like some sketch groups, and, and it it helps that they're bigger, but um, you know, do have consistent change up in sketches because me and Meg probably put the same five sketches on for like two years over and over again. Like we would occasionally pepper in things that would just suck. But we, we put on, like, a, there was a sketch we did about a speakerphone that we riled into the ground. There was a sketch we did about a, a, an affair that we riled into the ground. Um, there was just certain sketches that we would we would do and do and do and do. And that's just the result of not having the time to... Not having the time to write. write. And um, at the time, I was a lot... I wrote a lot less. Because I, I was one of those people who... I wanted to be a filmmaker. I didn't want to be a writer. Um... And, but I didn't realize I, I automatically was a writer. Like, I didn't know that I was a writer. Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't make a short film unless I did it. Like, I wanted to be an auteur. And, and uh, I just wasn't very good at making films. Like, it just, it, it, I ended up finding that I was better at... I had more... The, the first short film I did that gained a pretty, pretty like, narrative was a comedy. And I got, like, people wrote nasty letters to the film and video department because I won an award... Because oh, drama's not respected, and you mm-hmm. guys just went for the funniest thing. God, and I'm just like, I like it was one of the most annoying things yeah. in the world because God, I'm just God, like, off. and they were also pissed off because they were all majors, and this kid who <laughs> wasn't won the award. Yeah, um, but it was a sketch. It's 100% a sketch. There's no way like it's just a long form sketch. Like a lot of the shorts I did were just long form sketches. Mm. There's something that I did as my first short of student film that I wouldn't be surprised. If if I, I came up with the same idea now for Camp Woods, like something similar, because yeah. it's just it's the same sensibility. Um, the it's that uh, the film Brazil. I feel like that's that was another huge influence on me. Okay, and uh, that always carries through. It's just sort of the feudal nature of yeah. corporate life, um, and so that always permeated my work and the first sketch I did. And I feel like it's returned with Camp Woods more because I can be a little more absurdist. Because me, 
me and Meg always had lines we wouldn't cross. Like Meg doesn't Meg doesn't like fart humor and like and toilet humor. This actually there was a question that was brought up by I think it was Hockman, Mike Hockman, that uh, was is there any topics you tend to stay away from or lines you won't cross or whatever? Well, so like like go Meg, into that. Meg, uh, you know Meg Meg never like toilet humor, and there would be certain things that I couldn't touch upon. <laughs> Because Meg, we always played off this, but there's a an aspect of it that was true that just came out through our writing and how we interacted with each other is that Meg's a feminist and I'm a misogynist. And like that was just one of the personas we build up as we would perform. Okay. Um, and and uh, she is a feminist to a degree. Like she's very w- women's rights, like a little more active than your average girl. Like, you know what I mean? Sure. So she, uh, because she's like that, <clears throat> you know, there would be sketches I wrote that she just wouldn't feel comfortable about. Um, and that taught me, too. Uh, but there would also just be, you, you know, like I would be blatantly misogynist in a, in a sketch and she would hate it. And vice versa. Yeah. Um, I also didn't write as much then. Like, I, I, I've, I feel like I've only become a writer in the past year. Like, I don't feel like I was a writer for my first five years of doing or whatever they've been of doing sketch what do you think uh, brought that on what, what, what transitioned to make you now a writer I don't know I mean I, I, I could say like I, I like my my dad died which it's like it's a depressing thing to bring up but um, when was that uh, not this January that just passed the January before that um, and when that happened like you know you, you get I was down. I was like really shitty feeling. Yeah. Um, and uh, just over time, like I feel like I've, I've been more focused. Like and Camp Woods really did it too. Was like I got involved with Camp Woods, and then and then we started taking classes together. And then at a certain point, I just got to that that. Uh, and it was part of it was learning the UCB structure really because mm-hmm. that taught me how to write when I didn't have an idea. Like, when I had even a morsel of an idea, like, because I've always been the type of writer where I need an idea fully formed. Like, I, I, I've always been the kind that, like, when I sat down to paper, I would make two drafts and no more. Like, I would never get past the second draft. And it w- and the sketches went well. Yeah. It was like, and my, my, it was the same with my short films. It was like, I didn't write. I wasn't writer, a writerly person. Um, and then just by learning like sort of these shortcut writing tools I'm able to just exploit a point part of my brain because I feel like it's the it's the same thing as having deadlines or having cues where it's like I have I have these I have these uh I have these um sorry basically I have these issues where what was I talking about I totally got off track. uh deadlines uh oh because uh you know, I have these mental cues that I need to fill. Yeah. So it's like I, I will set up this grand structure or this premise, and then within the premise, I have to I have to fill in the blanks um, because I know how to like now explore territories by using the game. And then it's the same thing where I want to when I want to break it, it's, I know it's really fucking funny, or I think it's really fucking funny if I if I want to break those parts of the game. Okay. So if there is a time where you where you are having trouble writing, what are what are like the, the tips or that they at the UCB that they 
that help, that help you out. It's not even the, it wasn't a tip that they necessarily like give as a tip. It's just the structure of the way they do it. I'm able to exp- use that structure when I need to. Okay. Which is just like it's like three beats of hiding in the game of three beats, and that's it. Okay. And it's like for me, it's like when I see certain things that I do, I'm like, that's really funny. But what beat of funny is that? And then I put that in and fill in the other two blanks when I can. And that's always my shorthand if I just feel like one comment is out of the blue, but I like how it's formed or something like that. Like, I'll try to build games out of that. Yeah, okay. Um, Yeah, and so, like, over the past year, I've just been more like, okay, I like this idea. I kind of want to write about this. I'm going to just sit down and start spewing out shit. And I'll I'll figure out what comes out of it. Like a lot of the times, I write really sparse first drafts, like next to like bare bones with mm-hmm. like some like mostly just jokes and stream of consciousness like things to connect the jokes. Right. And we'll read it, see what goes well, and we punch it up as a group. And then I'll take the punch ups that I like, and then I rewrite it, either exploring those, and then I just make a much thicker draft. And then we cut it down from what we don't like from that. But my second draft, I always love. Whereas my first draft, I'm just like, okay, I just gotta, get something down. Just gotta do this. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Uh, In terms of topics that I, that are taboo to me, I I don't know. It always changes, and it's a it's a case by case basis. I think a lot of the times, um, it's it's tough to do like because a lot of times I like making fun of dumb racist people or <laughs> stuff like that, and like. You know, or like sexists and stuff like that, or, you know, homophobes or things like... And you want to kind of use those words or those things that are like hot buttons or or issues that are just going to sometimes shock people or things like that, but are real details of what parodying or making fun of these things are. And I think it's just a case-by-case basis because you make those decisions based off of whether or not, like, if there is a racist in the crowd, would he laugh at this on a non-ironic <laughs> level? And if that's the case, like, throw out that joke. Yeah. Okay. Like, you, if, if it's not blatant that you're being, you're parodying it, it's not worth doing. Okay. Alright. Uh, so, going back, you had the Megan Rob first Fringe show. Mm-hmm. Um, revival of lecture, what was it? The revival of the lecture circuit. Revival of the lecture circuit goes over well. Uh, where does Megan Rob go from there? We just start, I guess, pounding the pavement. We do die to die. We do uh, bedtime stories every month. We would pop into the ministry because Doogie was starting that up. Ministry of secret jokes. Yeah, and then um, yeah, just people just started. Um, people just started booking us on shows and it was like a bunch of deadlines and we'd either do something that we knew that we had. We used to practice a lot. Yeah. And we had things railed into the ground. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, we just... And then we started using that stuff to apply to festivals. Mm-hmm. And we were able to actually... We got rejected from a festival. And then we used that to get into Snubfest. That was the first uh, festival that we got into, which is a festival in, in Chicago. Chicago. yeah. They, that basically, if you send them a rejection letter, that's your application. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we got into that. Chemically Imbalanced. Yep, Chemically yeah. Imbalanced Theater. And we uh, we got into that, and we had a really good show. We had a really exceptionally good show. Like, and the audience was made up completely of people we didn't know. And they do you remember what year that was? Uh, no, oh eight, oh seven. I guess yeah, sometime around there. Okay. 
08 maybe? 08 sounds right. Um, I think I was in it that year. I don't think I, I, don't think I saw you guys. Tin Sandwich. Yeah, you were in it that year. Yeah. You were definitely in it that year. Yeah, yeah but we were, we were in it. The crowd was great. Um, and then uh, we, based off of doing that festival, we got in the Chicago Sketch Fest. Yep. Um, Which I did see you in. Really? Yeah. You saw that show? Yes, I did. Holy shit, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, because I had talked to Meg through MySpace. Wow. Remember MySpace? Oh, yeah. Uh, and my, my MySpace photo right now, I actually checked it like a couple of months ago, it is still a photo from Reviving the Lecture Circuit. Wow. Uh, yeah, so I had seen the schedule, the schedule, and saw that it was Philly. And I, con I did a MySpace search, found Megan Robb, and contacted uh, the, the email address, the, the message, message Megan Robb, and Meg got back, said, oh, yeah, we're going to be out there. And we had talked about, um, you know, kind of getting coffee, meeting up, uh, me and you, me and you guys. Yeah. It didn't happen, uh, but I did get to see the show. Uh, but I think I didn't see you guys out afterwards. Um, so then, here we are now. Yeah, that's uh, hilarious. I didn't think you saw that show. I that's, did. That that show uh, it was interesting. <laughs> that whole that whole experience was interesting. Like eh, me and Meg traveling out of town is always a, a very interesting experience because we're totally different people when we travel. Like I'm somebody who before a show like needs to punch the wall and jump up and down just to psych myself up and she's somebody who needs to be quiet. And so like we've we've gotten in fucking yelling matches a, a minute before we've gone on stage. Like and and that it, that happened in Minneapolis because we were so stressed out. We did the Minneapolis Fr Fr Fringe Festival, and it was uh, it was an, it was a bad show. Like we did revive the electric circuit out, circuit out there, and a guy read the newspaper through our first oh, show. Like literally, like <laughs> like shaking like it shaking it out every time, <laughs> and then at the end asked us what the show like. Came up to us, and we we're like, oh, maybe he really liked it. He was listening, and he just asked us what the show after ours was. Nice. And I was just like, oh, fuck you. Like, it was yeah. just, it was one of those things. It, it was just an awful experience. When you're out of town and it's an awful experience, it's, it, it, it's compounded. Uh, my wife got her luggage stolen. Hmm. Not stolen, lost, I guess, or taken. I don't know. Um, it was just a bad experience. But yeah, we did Chicago. That was another interesting experience. Like, we always have. I always feel like we have lukewarm shows when we were out of town. Everything would be lukewarm, except for that Snubfest show. And I think a show we did in Boston was pretty good. Um, but yeah, it just, it, it was always a, it, you know, we, we did better in Philly crowds than we did out of town. And that, it, it was one of those things that always bothered me. And we eventually got better at it. Like right. We eventually got better at, but you know, it, there's always a certain part of your first couple of years that people are giving you the benefit of the doubt or yeah. and, and I mean I hope to God I'm past that point like I hope to God I'm at a point and I, it's hard to believe I'm ever past that point because it's like I feel like all these people appeared doing comedy in Philly overnight like it just all of a sudden just appeared and there were there are other groups doing comedy and it started with improv there was just like I blinked and there were 20 improv groups yeah. um and, and they were all friending me at the same time because it's like, you know, we might have done one show there. And, and so, like, it, I felt like this all happened, but I still feel like the, these people, 
even though they've seen our shows and like we're legitimately that was the first time they were seeing us and giving us real laughs and stuff like that i i've always had this kind of self-nagging thing where it's just like oh they're just your friends laughing for you like you gotta you gotta prove your, like the only time i feel like you prove yourself is when you're out of town and like when because we did a show in brooklyn recently and we, we did really well um, and I, I, we, it's one of those shows where you walk away from feeling really great about yourself. And when me and Meg did North Carolina, it was the same thing. Like we had an entire audience of strangers and it was, it was a packed house and it was a big venue. And, um, yeah, we just killed we from top to end. Every sketch did great. And it was one of those things where like, okay, uh, your sense, uh, they're those little things that make you know that you're, you, your sensibilities can hit a crowd, yeah, and you you can do it. Um, and Philly, it, it's just hard to do that because you don't you don't know yeah you don't know who's in the audience. You play shows that are just too to your friends, right. um, and yeah, it's just our. I feel like Philly is such a nicely knit community of, uh, and everybody is genuinely. Uh, I don't feel competitive. Like, in terms of, like, I don't feel like people, like, hate each other actively in this city much. Uh, there's few exceptions, but uh, I'm not going to lie. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where... What because are the exceptions? Of, I'm not telling you. <laughs> uh, because of that, like, we're super supportive of each other. Yeah. And we probably laugh when we shouldn't. And uh, we've also gotten to a point it's like, I like that guy. He's making a funny face. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy that. Yeah. Um, when, you know, we really should be more critical watchers. We never will be. Mm -hmm. I don't think that would ever happen. Like, one of us or two of us will decide that and then be dicks, be viewed as dicks because, or at worst, you know, when you're in a stand-up show, I've been pointing out at more stand-up shows than not because I'm not laughing. And the guy will be like, this guy doesn't like it. Glasses over here doesn't like <laughs> yeah. it. Um, I don't know if you know my reputation as far as laughter goes, but no one thinks I do. No, yeah, but that's the thing. It's like I, I, I actually learned how to laugh because I started performing comedy. Because I used to, I would, and Meg will tell you, like she knows, she used to know when a joke would really, really hit me because you wouldn't hear anything for a while, and I would just be, like I used to laugh like that silent, yeah. convulsive laughs, mm -hmm. and I make myself laugh now because it's like I've realized what validate, like yeah. what goodness that is. Yeah. Um, but I also, I really try not to laugh at things I don't find funny. Yeah. And, and, and it happens every show. Like, I mean, there's rare shows that are top to bottom funny. Yeah. Uh, the last one I saw was the Fico Brothers' most recent show. Uh, that was that show was perfect. That was me. a great show. It was perfect. Yeah. And and that show, I think, will kill anywhere. Yeah. Um, just because it's, it's incredibly well acted. Uh, those guys just... So simple. Yep. And they keep it simple, and they know what works for them as a duo. And it has a style. Like what Billy writes for Campwoods and what Billy writes for Ficos is totally different. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to talk about him because this this is all about me. <laughs> um, Fuck him. Yeah, he steals enough of my limelight being so pretty. Uh, yeah. Well, improv, uh, if I may, you had mentioned that you didn't really necessarily like doing it, mm -mm. Um, but you did. You did do it. I learned on the first Getting Close with Mike Marbeck podcast, 
uh, from Kristen Shear, Kristen Shear, friend of the podcast, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that you were on Fletcher. Yep, for a very short <laughs> period of time. Why, why so short? Uh, I was really busy. Uh, I was working. I was working a lot, and uh, it, it's this type of thing where I couldn't. I couldn't devote the time, mm-hmm. and uh, I have this. And a lot of improv people don't follow this rule, but you shouldn't get on stage unless you're feeling it. And improv is one of those things. You really have to psych yourself up to feel it. Yeah. And you really have to warm up and you really have to do those exercises and stuff to really get out there. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people in this city and anywhere half-ass it. Mm-hmm. And they just go up sta- on stage because they feel like they deserve it. And they don't really, they don't really care... They feel like I'm an improver, or I'm I'm an improviser, or I'm I'm a comedian in whatever way, stand up or anything, and, and that's what I do. So I'm gonna go up no matter what, and I'm like I, I understand that, but I also think that you're doing a disservice to the audience. Um, so it would just be I'd be so stressed out to make it, and and uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't make it. I w- I would like miss practices or like. Yeah. You know, me and Meg were always busy too, so we had to carve out our time, and that time was the priority to me always. Yeah. Sketch was always a priority, and uh, it sucks because Fletcher also was one of those groups where I would see them and I'd be like, okay, that's my sense of, like, that's an improv group that has, I can work with these people, and when I did work with them, it was really great. Like, everybody on that group was super talented, and Christian Shear, hands down, is my favorite improviser in the city. Because okay. she's somebody who, early on, like I would see, and she's just consistently good. She's never bad, really. I never see her shit the bed on stage. She never she she makes it look effortless, which is what it should look like. But I know she really works hard at it. Yeah, um, I'm sure she'll enjoy that. Yeah, um, yeah. Just it, but you know, I, not a lot of people do that. Not, and I'm not. I, I will never say names, but. We've all seen people just go on stage, yeah. just go on stage, and I am one hundred percent guilty of it. Like, because with uh, when I was in hate speech committee, uh, when we were doing more regular shows, I would go up there and totally not feel it, and we would do shitty shows. And then there would be other shows that we would sit down and warm up, and like, because we used to play. There's a game, Song Hole, which is like a game where you yeah. all pass around the song. Spot, sure. Yeah, uh, and we were exceptional at that game. <laughs> like, we would murder it, yeah. and we would have so much fun. And when we did it right, and we did it before the show, we would go out there and murder. But there would be just some times that, you know, I would have too many beers, or like, we, you know, we would just get fucked up, and we would go out stage like we deserved it. And I just hated doing that. Like, I, I, you know, when you do it, you're constantly talking yourself into it, Mm -hmm. being like, you're okay, you can do this, come on, you, it's all going to come to you at some point, it's all going to come to you, and like, uh... Yeah, it just at the it would end and I would just feel awful because I'm just like you know they didn't enjoy that I didn't enjoy that and you know it, I'm doing myself and them a disservice. Yeah. Um, and this is the uh, without award winning. Yeah. Hate speech committee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because we did. I mean, we've done some great shows. Yeah, I've seen some good ones. Uh, it's just when we're off, we are off. Because we're not consistent improvisers, and I feel like that's the problem. Like, you're not constantly working that muscle. So, yeah. when you're not warming up, you're like, you come out there and you strain a muscle immediately, and you just spend the rest of the time wailing on the floor. 
uh, when I had Brendan on, Brendan Kennedy, another friend of the podcast, uh, he had said uh, that when they found out that, that Hate Speech had won the without award, that they wanted to turn it down. That was me. You wanted to turn it down. Yeah. Why did you want to turn it down? Uh, that was that was a lot of me trying to talk Aaron into it uh, and being down with it. Um, but now, why did I want to do it? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it It's a two-sided coin because I, I had a lot of debates with Brendan about it. Like, uh, Brendan is one of the people who I were both very open to each other. So we call bullshit on each other a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as you know, Brendan Kennedy, a good friend of the podcast, has a lot of bullshit inside of him. Um, and uh, so do I. Like, and I we, work with him. Right. And we see it. <laughs> yeah. But he's a great, like, he, you know, when you get to know him, like, yeah. legitimately, he's a great guy. He's awesome. Um, so it's, it's one of those things where uh, he, he talked me into it in the sense of, like, and I agree with it. It's what I was talking about earlier with doing... Um, doing insular shows and improv people do insular shows a lot of times they're not looking for new audiences they're just like oh, we're all playing for each other that's also why I hate the term playing I know Kristen Shearer my favorite improviser uses it a lot but I hate that term yeah. because I feel like it undermines what we do it's like it's like uh, it's like when your parents would say oh oh, you do, you're doing those little plays are you still doing because like, my, my, my dad up until the day he died called them little plays like he would be like oh you're going to play practice when I would go like when yeah. I lived at home and was working with Meg like, he would say oh you're going to play practice yeah. and I'm like okay yeah great that like it's still this cute little side thing yeah. I do and then when he finally saw us he was the biggest supporter he afterwards came up to me and said you should drop everything and just focus on this and I was just like you made me go uphill yeah, yeah. but um you know it's it's because they're insular and because they, uh, you do shows for each other, and we were guilty of it too. Everybody's guilty of it in the city when you're trying to start something. Um, because of that, I feel like the, you guys aren't aren't seen much by stand-ups, mm-hmm. and you're not seen good by stand-ups. Like improv's a punchline a lot of times with stand-ups, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, you know it, it's it is with sketch as well. And because there was a lot of animosity, I guess, towards the beginning, like there was, there was a lot of uh, sketch struggled at fit at first a lot. Megan Rob would do a show, and like it's just it's it, it wouldn't work, and like it, 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 it there's just a lot of like tech cue fuck ups and stuff that also comes with a new a new theater, mm-hmm. and like but we were we didn't we weren't tolerant of it, like we just weren't. Because mm-hmm. we had done shows where everything runs smoothly. Yeah. So once you have those kind of schmo- shows, you're expecting everything to run that way. And right. it just wasn't it wasn't there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just I feel like Hate Speech Committee was made up with a bunch of people who talked a lot to other people in the community. And so despite the fact that nobody saw them, everybody was going to vote for them because they, they liked all the people yeah. on it. Okay. And that was my reason why I both wanted to turn it down and both my reason why I wanted to take it. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, it just it, it was one of those things where people weren't cross-pollinating as much as they should. And I, and it's also, it's the difference between, I feel like stand, a majority of stand-up and a majority of uh, sketch comedians, they just want to be funny. Whereas improvisers... 
they also want to have these true, real moments and these actorly things. Yeah. And uh, I have a real problem with those <laughs> because I'm not going to a show to see that. Yeah. I like I, you know, you you deal with enough in your daily life. I, right. I want to go to a comedy show to see comedy, mm -hmm. and I understand the the wanting to strive for that, but don't do it on my time. Um, <laughs> That's how I feel. Like, if, but I, you know, when I first saw Ray Bircho, there was there was realish moments, but it was no, there was no, I have cancer. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, and that's why I don't like those moments too, because you always have to do a shorthand like that. I have cancer. Yeah. Your dog's dying. Something like, you don't love me anymore. Like, it's like these scene yeah. starts that just are. Yeah, I just don't like it. Yeah. Um, I think you can find humorous things about yourself, but I think we all know the bad things about ourselves. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, eventually I was totally cool with it because of that reason, but, yeah. you know, we won't win again. <laughs> it just we'll won't happen. In January. Uh, like, it, it, if, if they do them again. Um, yeah. They'll be done again. Uh, but, like, yeah, I just it's one of those things where... Uh, I don't think we would win again because you know you the the improv groups we we have been knowing each other more. This podcast is yeah. happening, and like I I like a lot of the people. I mean, I've always kind of had a little bit of a toe in improv, so I knew a lot of those people, mm -hmm. and I feel like that's also why initially my gut was to not take it because it's like I knew I didn't see all the groups that were nominated, but I knew some of the groups were great. Like yeah. I knew some of the groups were really good. Yeah. Um, and more consistently good than yeah. we were. Um, but I also, you know, I didn't feel disingenuous taking it because I also felt like we did have really great shows. So yeah. we weren't, we, we, we didn't have a great track, re track record, but we did have shows that I know really struck a chord with the audience. So yeah. it, I don't, I don't, yeah. Okay. That's that, that's that yeah. answer. Um... All right, so you had done Fletcher, had to leave Fletcher due to schedule. Didn't yeah. Want, didn't want to half-ass it, which I respect because uh, there are a lot of teams that have people that are consistently missing and just kind of pop right. in here and there, and that hurts everybody. And that's it. Like, the reason why Hate Speech started is because we all had chemistry with each other. It was a shorthand of chemistry. We yeah. were all friends. We all liked each other. And, you know, and that's the problem with house teams because it's like the same thing with... with the sketch house team that I'm directing it's like you're putting you're putting people together you're trying to force chemistry and yeah. it's like that to me is a nightmare yeah. so it's like when I was picking stuff I was trying to pick people that had similar points of view right. but it's one of those things where you can't you can't guarantee that it's yeah. like Camp Woods is the way it is because all of us respect each other but all of us are willing to say like oh, this is this isn't good and yeah. all of us all of us have strict rules of not laughing. We don't do pity laughs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. As a as a coach, you can only do so much to right. uh, foster that sense of camaraderie and 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 gelling to happen. Right. Um, it took a while with a uh, with asteroid. Uh, I mean, again, I picked those people based on different attributes yeah. that I thought would kind of kind of mesh. But even with that, it still took time for them to find that sense of. Uh, Fun. And that's, yeah, it's like, it's it's also just like kind of knowing the person you're in the scene with. Like, that was what was starting to develop with Fred Fletcher, but so it's like, I know it can happen, yeah. but it, it's it's a lot, it's a lot tougher when, you know, there, there'll yeah. be jam experiences that I have when you do these improv jams, yeah. and uh, 
I, they're just they're nightmares sometimes you go out with a scene with somebody and you know I just don't know them yeah. uh, and and I should like I know there's improvisers who uh, have not gotten this far in the podcast they probably turned it off by now but there's improvisers who uh, you know they they would disagree with me and and I, I yeah just I and that's okay yeah I think that I think that it, there does need to be some kind of Simpatico between two people going out yeah. on a, uh, and I'm just not one of those people who has that immediately with people. Yeah. I just don't. I I am very very guarded and I'm very very uh, insular. Yeah. Um, it's like one of those things that I always would struggle with. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Because I do these things that are very extroverty. Like I I, but if I'm in a party of strangers, I don't talk to people. Yeah. Yeah, um, even like, uh, you know, majority of people in Camp Woods live in the same house. When they have parties, I sometimes just sit in the corner yeah. and just enjoy listening to what other people say mm -hmm. and just hang out because I'm just not that type of person. Yeah. I'm also, I can get real manic and crazy and like talk my ear off. Yeah. I mean, talk your ear off, but, um, yeah, that's me a lot of times, uh, going to different parties or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's viewed as judgment. Um, I've been told, right. I've been oh told, yeah, yeah. Told that like, and it's not that at all. Um, I'm being judged by looking judgmental. like I was judgmental. Right. Um, and it's the same thing. It's a, that continues on to comedy shows because sure. that's why I started laughing because there were enough shows that I got called down for the same reason. It's like yeah. you look like you're not enjoying it, and yeah. it's like don't don't make that fucking assumption. Like that's yeah. why I hate when you see stand-ups have meltdowns. And they're just like, oh, nobody likes this. It's like, do it for the person in the back who's not saying a word. Yeah. Yep. Like, I just hate when people say, oh, I'm not doing good up here. Like, yeah. I don't like when people call attention to that. Because yeah. if I'm enjoying it, I'm going to be like, well, why am I enjoying it? Mm -hmm. yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, so, Fletcher. And it was a great experience. Awesome. You had already mentioned the, the sketch show that you are, did you say you're head writing it or you're directing it? I'm directing it. I, I mean, it's it, they're calling it a head writer. They, they're using the term head writer and director, but you, neither are necessarily true. I'm just kind of shaping them. Like, I'm helping them along. I would want... I, I'd, feel, I'd feel shitty doing a show that I felt like was my show and have all these people writing for it. So, um, and, and we're casting writers, so you should let them do their thing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just going to be a mediator and sure. give advice because I've been doing it enough that I know what to I can read something and have my opinion of what will work for the crowd and it I'd say 85% it's right okay are you on the the RZA or yep. the you're in RZA 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 who is it RZA and Jizza yeah um, I, I chose that because of Robbie Digital I'm Rob so RZA okay you, did you named it well, yeah, I mean, we were, I was definitely on the non-Lord of the Rings side, because <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I hate Lord of the Rings, dude. I fell asleep in the first one, and I refused to watch uh, any of the other ones. Oh, I love them. I know you do, I, I, and, but yeah, it's that's fine for, for the, you, you had control over that improv aspect of it, and if I had a say in ours, I'm like, eh, Wu-Tang Clan members will be good. Nah, that's, that's, there's a lot in there. There's plenty of members. Yeah, uh, and then when you run out of members, you got songs. <laughs> uh, and uh, okay is there anything that you can say about the sketch show uh, it's gonna start later than the other one we're gonna we're gonna do it a little later cause I just um, I, I I would like to 
have this these guys uh, really do a lot more before we do a, a show as high profile as the fringe okay um so it's not going to be in the fringe no it's going to be i think in uh, october october yeah the october run okay. and uh yeah that was just by i i didn't want to do it if it wasn't till then because i just i does this go back to the um trying to get them to know each other thing that yeah okay. it's primarily that like because i just i see what a positive it had on camp woods so it's like i want to have the I want to get through enough of a cycle of writing where they kind of get out their pissy diva shit mm -hmm. and they fight each other and they kind of realize what each other's sensibilities are and they I, I hopefully get to a point where you realize you're all in it together and you're all trying to make each other look look good and uh, yeah just that's my hope uh, and you picked the people right yeah how did you go about picking them um, we kind of blindly went through the scripts uh, of course, we knew who some people's packets were because they had done the material and the scripts mm -hmm. elsewhere. Right. Um, but we mostly did it blindly and just kind of rated their sketches, like talked about whether or not we liked them or not. And, uh, you know, some, some people had great premises and just uh, bad execution or, like, you could just tell that they were to a point where they need to try more out mm -hmm. live. Right. Because like, there were some people who just wrote things and you're like... You're like, you don't know what this is going to entail doing this live and what sort of, yeah. like, just just how that line's going to, like, how this large page of dialogue is just going to drag the whole thing down. or so. There were just people who needed more work and there was just a lot of really good people who already knew what they were doing. Okay. So it's just like, I wouldn't say there were any, any uh, packets in there that, like, were unreadable or unfunny. It was just, there was just a... a a large amount of just really good people. Mm -hmm. um, so, it, yeah, we just went through and we ended up with like 12 ones that kind of were were all among that same caliber. And then from there, we kind of, we played it the old baseball style and picked teams. Um, me and Steve just went back and forth picking people. Who was the last to, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, but it was one of those things. Well, even the last to go was good, like because yeah. it just got to a point. Um, it just got to a point where it's like I was basing, I, I was literally basing everything based off of the writing sensibility. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, and and to be completely honest, most of the people on my uh, on my team just had a little bit more of a dark twist to them because that's just how I am and I think that Greg Maughan knows he's getting into that by asking me to yeah. direct the team but um, yeah it's just they, they had like a little bit more of a yeah darkness to it okay cool uh, so that will be in October October yeah awesome. uh, hopefully we'll do little shows leading up to it like a, you know like a theme show Throw here some sketches or something yeah like do a theme show here do like a, a sketch up or shut up some night yeah uh you had mentioned uh, how insular the improv community has been. Mm -hmm. um, would you say that, uh, and you kind of said this, I guess, uh, yeah, it's over changed. the last year. Oh, yeah, definitely. Over the last year, I'd say more than the la previous two years that I've been around, uh, there's a lot more of a, of, yeah. a, of, a, of a mix. And uh, I think there's... that's just because the quality is starting mm -hmm. to, to rise. Yeah. And so, like, once the quality starts to rise, you're all... You're all struggling for the same thing, so you just kind of all real. Like, 
Um, Questlove did this one interview, a uh, member of The Roots, where he was talking about... <laughs> I know Questlove. <laughs> well, I, was saying, I was saying that for the kids at home. Um, <laughs> or in their car, on their commute, or yeah. if anybody's... Mowing listening. their lawn, or... Um, Filling out the checks for the bills. Yeah, it's just, it was, uh, he said this thing about sort of how they came up, and it's like, they were friends with Erica Badu and Common and Jay Dilla, and they all kind of realized that... All of whom I know. Yeah, all, 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 they all kind of realized that, you know, if they all presented themselves as one group, they'd all pull themselves up at the same time. And, like, that's kind of, like, the good thing about what's happened with Philly comedy is that we're all sort of realizing that we're all big fish in, small pond, in a small pond. Mm -hmm. And so the only thing you have left is sort of maximizing your reach in the city you're in. And the yeah. only way you can do that is by getting shows with, strange audiences and the only way you can do that is really by networking and so mm -hmm. if we all help each other it, like it, if we all help each other and pull each other up it's it's only going to help us like yeah that's why i don't understand like you know there, there'll be feuds between people and you're just like shut up like just you like you're you're fucking like you don't understand you're two like ants fighting over nothing like it's yeah. just there's it's so like the when you're fighting about creative stuff on such a dumb level, and it's just, it, you just, it's it's futile. It's just annoying. So I, I just feel like everybody, there could be competition and there could be beef, but it should be for that reason. Like, because it's like... I like a beef. I like well, beef's beef. good because it, you know, it's it's one of those things where it, it makes uh, it makes it fun for yeah, people. it makes it fun. As Lil Wayne would say. And growing yeah. uh, competition. Um... I mean, that was what hate speech was. It was talking shit on people and saying they're the greatest. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And it, was, it wasn't because we knew what we really were, but yeah. it's fun. It's mm -hmm. fun to be that group, and it's fun to have that persona. Yeah. Uh, I think also, uh, I think that's kind of helped that uh, kind of coming together a lot more is the different shows that have popped up. Um, I mean, Bedtime Stories was around for a while on the theme show, mm -hmm. um, but that wasn't necessarily getting improv people yeah. to the, to see those shows because there wasn't necessarily improv in those shows no. um, but things uh, different independent shows like they had the sketch playground yeah uh, at Taboo so that had improv, improv and sketch right it was so forcing us to all work with right. each other like Sideshow which has uh, has a big mix of, of things and Taboo yeah um uh, yeah, there's just there's a lot of really good shit, and I think we're all starting to see like when you see somebody else kill, and you see the reasons why they're doing really well, mm -hmm. you you respect them. You know what I mean? Like for the most part, it's just like sometimes you're able to write it off and say, oh, they killed for this reason or that reason. But there's times when you personally know why a person did well, and so you. Whether or not you will admit it or not, you're going to uh, gravitate towards them and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things that when you do that, you want to book each other's on each other's shows yeah. and you get to know everybody. Yeah. And that all happened at the same time that more people did, I guess, variety shows. Because Fit was doing, Fit was doing the just like the, the sketch shows combined with it. And we did a, a couple friend shows that were half and half. That's why I, um, I love... Um, Ali Suwall and Liz Scott because they were 
we love bitches. Me and Meg love bitches with problems. BWP. And uh, so we would always try to do shows with them. Like even our when we were doing the final Meg and Rob shows, we we threw in like we had them in our sets mm -hmm. because we love them. Like it, they, I, they're they always do well. Mm -hmm. I feel like they always do well. They might disagree, <laughs> and because they know how they did, and I haven't been to all their shows, but yeah. All right. Uh, back to Megan Rob. Mm -hmm. uh, Meg has since moved to LA, right? Yep. Um, how she, was that she meeting? Left me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw your last show too. Real fun. Uh, how did how how did that go over? Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Um, Meg came to the realization that she wanted to go to LA, like she wanted to move to LA when we were out in LA together. Um, me and her out in LA for I was forget a festival or just visiting or what? was it a festival? I think we might have just been visiting. I don't know, but like I was, I took a job interview out there and like all this other stuff. Like we, we, I was considering it too, but like I just got out there. I, it's gonna be tough to move to LA for me. It's like New York's my place if I have to move somewhere, but New York's eventually gonna hit the same point that Philly does for mm -hmm. me, where it's like you can only have so many opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, now I had heard uh, through different people here and there um, different contacts not that I'm asking but people talk to me about shit mm -hmm. uh, that uh, a lot of Camp Woods is, is uh, thinking about moving uh, thinking about New York thinking about uh -huh. LA um, you're, you, you've mentioned it already yeah um, what is the likelihood that that's going to happen uh, very good and how oh, soon? I'd say um, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens before the end of the year. Then um, Camp Woods as a team just picks up. Not me. I, I think just certain members will will go on. I'm not. I don't. I don't know exactly who it will be just mm -hmm. yet. But there's enough people who want to go mm -hmm. and kind of have that fire under their ass, which I don't blame them because a lot of those guys also, you know, they they are in a, a looser position professionally than I am. Yeah. Um, like I, I uh, basically I can go if I finish the work I'm doing right now for another year or two, I can move to L.A. or New York with impunity. Like I can find a job for sure mm -hmm. because I have a good enough resume by in a year or two that I will be able to go anywhere I want, and and more than likely be able to find a job. So uh, it's the it's the job that's the the hold up for you. I would have thought it would have been a wife. No, she's actually into moving. Yeah? Not necessarily L.A. L.A.'s a little harder for her, but she's kind of in the same role that I am where if she continues the architecture firm she has for a year or two, she can go wherever she wants. Okay. Because um, we're both in decent positions at our jobs. Um, but, yeah, she, uh, she basically... She's been pretty supportive. I mean, she loves Philadelphia. She fell in love with it because she's not from here. So mm -hmm. she came. And I'm like, you know, I'm still like, I got to get out of my hometown. Um, so we'll, we'll butt heads a little bit there. But she's very, very supportive. For people in Camp Woods, like yourself, uh, what is the, the reason to move to New York or L.A.? Um, I feel like we're all, we've all kind of have been driving each other as better writers. Um, and because we've all become better writers, you want to challenge yourself more. And there's only so many... You, The challenges need to become more nuanced for you to stay in the same city. Like, you have to be looking for specific things. Like you, because you get to a point where... Uh, this is so fucking boring. 
No, uh, it's not boring at all. Uh, uh, you get to a point where you basically, you know, you, you can kill a crowd. So it becomes, then, can you kill every crowd? Yeah. And then it becomes like, okay, can I, can I control the crowd? And then it's like, it's different kind of crowd work. Like you're just trying to get different, elicit, elicit different responses. But ultimately, like, you're becoming more and more machine-like. Like, yeah. you just... So, uh, you know, I, I one of my goals is to just write for, like, a television show. Like, not necessarily, like, a long-form thing, but, like, you know, punch up Jimmy Fallon or work on one of those shows. And, yeah. uh, I mean, ideally it would be a Campwood sketch show, but, you know, it's it's one of those things that... I'm starting to see the path, like when I was up in UCB taking classes and stuff, you can kind of see how people get to know each other and support each other. And I mean, I'm already, I already have a network in New York and LA of people that I know. Yeah. So either place I go, I'll know people. And I, it's just, it's strictly the area itself. I don't want to be in a place that I'm attached to a car all the time, even though I love driving. Yeah. And I don't want to be in a place that doesn't have public transit. Right. I mean, it'll be great to go to a beach but it, it's just, and the people there are just totally different. And, and that's what's really, that's, that's the main thing that's hard for me. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, I'm, I, I get, I come across as a, uh, as what I come across right now. And it's only intensified times 10 in LA. Like, cause people have come up to yeah. me straight and been like, you're really neurotic. Like, and yeah. I'm just like, oh, cool. Like, I'm glad that I just effused that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who? So it's Megan Rob, L.A., New York. Um, yeah. So that that's what you would want to do. You would want to work on on a yeah, sketch yes. show. I mean, is like, that Meg's reason for moving out there? Moving, moving, yeah. moving. Oh, believe me, I've I've butchered enough words probably today. Um, no, it's a uh, yeah. I think so. I, I Meg, uh, you know, she's doing sketching out there now. It's just you have more opportunities. It's mm -hmm. like uh, Kevin McDonald said this thing about being lucky. Like you, you have to be lucky. That's one of the main things in succeeding in comedy is yeah. being lucky. And, and be prepared when that luck. Right. And and happens. basically being in either New York or LA, you have more chances to get lucky. Your sure. odds are better. Right. And that's it. Yeah. So Campwood's uh, Campwood sketch show has been because I know I've listened to a lot of improv podcasts, so I've listened to a whole lot of UCB things, and they moved to New York. Basically, to get on TV, right. as with their with their sketch show, which they which they did, is there, is that any kind of influence? Um, is um, that story kind of driving you guys a little bit, or is it? Yeah, just... I mean, it's it's just it's it's a matter of anything. Like we want Camp Woods. They're they're we're right now to a point where we honestly have such a really nice open writers room when we work. Like when we read things and we. We're really, we fight, we, we disagree about stuff, but it's primarily for the good of the group. And I think that it, it really does take a long time to get to that point. Mm -hmm. In terms of like just any sketch group that's starting, it takes a long time to get to that point where you just, you feel comfortable hurting each other's babies, I guess. Yeah. Um, and yeah. uh, because, because of that, uh, I think we're all getting more confident and we're all kind of, um, we're all honing our own voices. So I don't necessarily think we're looking at trying to set up a TV show or something like that. I think we're just looking at 
getting each other writers gigs and then maybe helping each other once yeah. one of us gets a writers gig yeah. okay. um, and you know helping the other comics we love like yeah. if we had any power pull it's like I I think Pat Oswalt said it but like you get through a door and you want to either close it or you want to pull as many people through <laughs> it as yeah. you can yeah. and you know I'm one of those people that I want my friends yeah, like right. they're the people who I know they're the people I know I can trust they're the people that yeah um I don't want to. I don't want to burn bridges, and I don't. And the and the problem is, is my number one go to thing is I want to burn bridges. Like whenever somebody gets me mad or stuff, I just don't want to talk to them, yeah. and I don't want to deal with it. So it's it's been a real struggle in comedy not to do that. And I feel like I have burnt bridges. I definitely have yeah. with people, um, but I don't want to. And so it's just it's it's one of those things that yeah I I just want to keep keep bringing people yeah. together and hopefully you know you're able to be in a position to form a group of funny people like because that's the thing is it's just i think i'm funny and i think these people are funny yeah. and so if i get to a thing i want to make it funny my kind of funny and my friends are funny like i don't want to deal with somebody who because i've run into it's the same misogynist thing it's like a lot of the times, like, I, if people are very politically correct when I'm immediately in a group with them, they'll question my motives and stuff like that. And, you know, me and Meg became friends before we'd start doing comedy, so she knew how I really was. Yeah. Like, she knew, but I'll do things that are not necessarily that way and can be perceived as misogynistic and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Like, I've done... I've, the two short films, I've, the two most popular short films I did when I in college were both about killing wives or killing girlfriends okay. or killing significant others oh, right. and so I mean it's, it's just they're weird but it's also because it's more because I was a lazy writer and I liked Deus Ex Machina like it was just like oh okay let's, let's solve this by killing anybody um, but uh, yeah it's just it, it, I lost track where am I what was I talking about uh, we were just talking about uh, why move to Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's just I don't... I don't know. I'd love to... I, I'd love to stay in Philly if I could do what I want to do in Philly. But mm -hmm. if I if I give up on my dreams, I'll stay in Philly. Okay. Uh... <laughs> no, I, it, it's not even that. It's like I wish... Like, I don't know. I really... like I, I And it may happen. Uh, just because I'm in TV and there's TV jobs here. It's just like, you know, finding the right... Because I write... I write comedy for the show I work on. Like I write comedic things, so I do get paid to write comedy. But it's just one of those things that I just I want to do exactly what I want to do, and all those things are in New York and California. What are you What are you writing on right now, or what do you What do you do? Um, tanked. It's a reality program for Animal Planet that's about guys who build custom fish tanks. Um, uh, okay, I have seen. The commercials. For yeah, them. so uh, it's popular kids. It's like a lighthearted kind of show, um, but yeah, it's a it's it's been a great job, and they're they're probably going to get renewed again because it's a pretty big hit for Animal Planet, and uh, that's the thing that I'm saying is like you know you're on three seasons of a hit show in the first three seasons. You're the reason why it did well. Like you had a hand yeah, in the sure. reason why it's popular. So once I do that, once I get that done. I can get jobs doing similar things on other places, not yeah. necessarily... I've proven myself. 
Um, yeah, so, so yeah, it's, it's, and, you know, I, my ambition knows no bounds, so it's the kind of thing, like, if you told College Rob, like, he would be writing and producing a television show for Animal Planet, I would have been like, that's enough, I'm done, I'm good, I'm set, like, I, thank you, I'm, I have my job, I have my life yeah, set, right. I'm done, and it's like, now I'm just like, uh, I'm like, no, no, I need to do more, yeah, I need to do more, thing? I need to do more, like, I need to... And it's the same thing. It's just I find deadlines. And right now my deadline is getting a show in Spank or writing for a mod team. You know, like getting getting one of those kind of gigs where I'm going to be collaborating with New York people. Mm-hmm. And somebody says, hey, you're good enough. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that kind of stuff is undeniable. Mm-hmm. It's like when you're good, you're good. Yeah, and when you look at those... You're looking at the, yeah. the casts right. or when the I'm writers seeing, of those things. Right. They're all so interconnected. Right. Uh, and, they all pulled each other through those doors, like you were saying. And that's the thing is I just want, I want to start getting up in New York and, you know, meeting people through that. And I have friends up there and, like, it's already starting, like, because mm-hmm. the groups we bring down, a lot of them are just people we networked with at festivals and stuff like that. And they liked what we did and we liked what they did and they, they're they interested in travel. And, like, that's one of my favorite things about Camp Woods Plus uh, is that, that we were constantly bringing down groups that, like, if you go to see our show... You're guaranteed new content, which yeah. it's hard to. Yeah. I mean, you can do it with improv shows, but you can't do it with written shows right. and with stand-up shows. Um, but we're 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 guaranteeing a certain amount of new content, yeah, and a lot awesome. of that might be old content, but we're repackaging it. So yeah. it's like New York, we're they're doing their sketches that they feel like are good on the road. But if you're from Philly, you're going to see something brand new. Mm-hmm. The Camp Wood shows have the. I saw a ton of sketch in Chicago. Uh, but the Camp Woods shows that I've seen and sketches that I see are unlike anything. And I mean that in the, in the best well, way. Well, no, and we had that same thing when we went out to Chicago for the Sketch Fest because there was like, we would get reviews or we would get write-ups that they're like, we don't necessarily know how we feel about props and costumes and sketch, but, you know, they use this right or they do this right. And, right. and they the, the main thing that people were interested or, or sort of taken back by our group is how much we used costumes and how much we used video. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I don't think that that's a bad thing at all. No, and I never I so. will, but it's just like New York is very much like black pants, black t-shirt, go out and act sketches out. Okay. And New York has an aspect of that too. It's just, um, New York also has costumes and props and stuff like that. And we're all kind of, you know, it's it's one of those things that I like that about Camp Woods. And yeah. It's one of the main things that I feel like it's what initially drew me to like Camp Woods when I first yeah. saw them. Their first sketch that they ever put on had an entire backdrop that was made out of cardboard that was made to look like a room. And everything had, like, opening doors out of cardboard and stuff and like different things that they could pop up in and do and they had this entire sketch built out of this like little prop room that they made and it had such like a it was disturbing and weird but it also had this like kids building things in their backyard type of feel to it and like I I, that's what always attracted me to them and like that's what I feel like that's an like it's 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 us use like if we wanted to make a cool staff using all the things around us to make cool stuff. Like, there's yeah. still that aspect of it. And I don't think that... I, I like that aspect of sketch, like, including that in sketch, because it keeps it as sketch. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, you could do a sketch with color, but you could do a sketch with black and white. Mm-hmm. 
All right, well, we are going to be wrapping up. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to ask, let's see what uh, the, the questions were from, from people here. Uh, is is from BJ, BJ Ellis, mm-hmm. friend of the podcast, BJ Ellis. Okay. Uh, just had him on. I know. Man. Uh, who in town would you like to work with? Is there anybody that uh, um, you, don't, you don't feel weird about calling out and saying... Um, Hey, uh, this is somebody that I'd like to do something with at some point. Uh, I don't. Yeah, that's a tough question, actually. Um, you know, I'd like to do more with Maggie Keegan. Okay. Because uh, we worked together on Three AM, which was like a little, and she's Troika. Yeah, it's like I Troika I, winning. Yeah, I actually like I hadn't done improv since Hate Speech, like cause when we sort of tapered off doing shows. Um, I hadn't done uh, stuff till till then, and like it was one of those things where. It just gelled, and she made me feel super comfortable. And Jason mm-hmm. Grimley and her are—it's one of those things where they, you get good enough at improv, and you know Matt Matt Holmes does this. That Matt and it's like mm-hmm. you get good enough improv that you know how to make your partner look good, and yep. you know how to tell a story with somebody who's saying nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know I knew that about them, so I was more willing to be like, okay, if I stop saying something and completely have a brain freeze they're probably going to be able to cover for me. And they did They did do that, but like I also surprised myself. Yeah. Like I, I, I was happy with choices that I made and stuff like that. So I love working with Maggie. Um, I don't know. I, it, like, anytime I, well, I get to work with them. I, I'm trying to think and of... That was you, Maggie, and Stockdale, right? Stockdale, yeah. yeah. Um, 275 bucks you want for that, uh, for yeah. that effort. Yeah, man. Actually, was... if you include the previous 60... Because you won the round, too, right? Yeah. Well, I guess you would have had to have won. So, yeah, not a bad take for an no, improv uh, no, no. sideshow, huh? How about um, I like I like Dennis Trafney. I think he's really funny. <laughs> yeah. He is a goofball. Yeah. I work with him in Beardo. But I like I like him for that reason. Yeah. Like, uh, I, <laughs> I don't know. You, you, can, you can edit this out. But uh, in Pro-Mania, he got, like, shit-faced on the last yeah. night. And, I like, I, he, he pissed off, I guess, uh... Mike, uh, Alex Gross, and uh, what's it? Ian. Yeah, Ian. Um, and I was just like, I'm like, that's fucking rules. Like, I just like that about him. Like, because it's just like one of those things where it's like, I'm fine with people who take your idea to the end. Like, that's why I like, I love working with Brendan, and I like, I like uh, Dennis Trafney and stuff like that because they're they're the type of people that, yeah, I mean, you, you're gonna give me alcohol right now. And then you're gonna get upset that I said yeah, things right. I shouldn't yeah. like, and, and that's the yeah. And every time I've seen him do uh, uh, improv, he always like kind of stands out. He's yeah. very good at. Mm-hmm. And I saw Beardo. Beardo is great. Those guys are good together. And mm-hmm. like I like Kevin Pettit. I love Jess Ross. Like it, I, that probably top of my list would be Jess Ross. I like I like her a lot, and I've never worked with her. Yeah. Um, I love Luke Field. I've never worked with him. You can keep naming all these asteroid people. That's awesome. Yeah. I like that. No, I, uh, but I, yeah, I never... <laughs> oh, my asteroid and Beardo people. If you would care to name all of them, that would be, that would be great. No, I feel bad because I'm, I'm probably not mentioning people I really would like to work with. Ah, well, um, that's going to happen. And BJ Ellis, of course. And of course, BJ Ellis with the red hair. Yes. Um, oh, wait, no, you asked for red hair. I, I meant Joey Doherty, sorry. <laughs> Uh, right. Uh, Brendan wanted to know what's with the shoe. Oh, I posted. I got these new black shoes. These uh, new Nikes. Oh, look at those! And uh, you know how people sharp. You know how people get hacked and their shoes, and you get tagged on people's shoe, and they're like, "Oh, check out these shoes." Well, I like these shoes, so I found a picture of it on white, and I tagged all my friends on it. Okay. 
You know that, Brendan? Uh, Bert Archer wants to know why you hate him. I don't, I don't hate him. <laughs> I don't even know him. Uh, I know. I don't hate you, Bart. Bert. 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 Uh, who plays Ed in Here's Johnny. Uh, oh, Ed nice. McMahon. Uh, MJ. Oh, Matt J. Uh, Matt J. I uh, want you to know. <laughs> uh, who is the better crow? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Trace. Bill Corbett or Trace? Yeah, Trace. Bolo? Yeah, know. Trace. How do you say it? I like Trace. Bolo? Trace. Okay, so Trace. Uh... Hawkman. But I'm a, I'm like a I'm a Joel guy, so I I don't know. I'm I kind of fell off after Mike joined on. I'm still not I'm not even sure what what this is in reference to. Wait, what uh, are we talking about? Oh, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, Crow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I've always been a Joel guy, and I've had a lot of trouble with Mike just Mike in terms Mike of Nelson. enjoying those shows. Yeah, I I don't enjoy them nearly as much as I enjoy Joel. I just like okay. his. I feel like he's. Like my my favorite comedian uh, is Bill Murray, so I feel like I feel like he has that same like uh, like that same delivery that I just yeah. I find very welcoming, like the yeah. aloof guy. He's definitely one of my favorites. Uh, um, I just loved his bit in Zombie. Yeah, it was zombie, perfect. Zombie. And it, yeah, it's a, he's he's great. Yeah, like you, you find out anything? all these little stories Maybe where like Garfield. yeah, he like gets like he'll like there's these weird stories where I don't know if you saw the one where he like got drunk and just crashed somebody's karaoke booth. And sat there all night with them doing karaoke with just a birthday party. Yeah, I think he did. And I'm just like, that's awesome. Like, yeah. it's just like you're you're looking like to just enjoy yourself. Mike Hockman, uh, Mike Hockman's back. Uh, he wants to know what's your favorite sketch that you've been in and favorite sketch that you have not been involved in. Oh shit! So I guess a non Camp Woods or Megan. Uh, my favorite sketch I've been in. Uh man. I'll say my favorite sketch I didn't, I wasn't in first. Um, I really, uh, I don't know. That's tough. Both these questions are really tough because I love. Um, I can't sing. Okay, so I would say I, I, and this is a little bit blasphemy, but I'd probably say Coaching Kid. I love uh, Coaching Kid is a video that the Fico brothers did. Okay, I love that. that he said live sketch though, right? I guess I, uh, I don't know that he didn't say live. He didn't. That's say live, that's right? one of my favorite like videos produced in Philly. Like, and I'm always gonna gravitate more towards video because Coaching Kid. Yeah, because none of us are, none of us are Broadway people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and Coaching and kid. probably my favorite sketch I've been in. Um, me and Meg had something called The Affair that I really loved. Um, and that was one of my first sketches that I... And that was something she wrote. Um, there was another sketch that I wrote. Like, there's... there's It's tough because there's, like, certain sketches that I just have such an affinity for. Yeah. Because they, they mark certain moments. Sure. Like, so Speakerphone was the first sketch me and Meg did in the first, like, sketch sketch I did. And that I love. I yeah. love that sketch. And then Meg did something... Wrote something called The Affair, which is one of my favorite things she ever wrote. And then one of my, one of the things I, like, first thing that I wrote that was mine that was really successful um, was this thing called Love Over the Phone. And it was just, it was, it was this stupid little, it was basically like a phone sex, but you ordered records. You okay. had to listen to records that phone sex. I think I've heard that. Um, I've seen that. But that was something that I just was really happy with how we executed it. And it was like my first for, like, first something that I felt like was mine. Okay. Um... But yeah, it's tough because I I legitimately really love everything I yeah. do. Like because okay. it's, and and I would say my best writing has come out of the past year with with Camp Woods. 
um, for the same reason. Like, I just become more of a writer. So yeah. with more material, I can yeah, get a lot out the of numbers. the system. Um, but I'm also one of those people where I have, like, I look back at that love over the phone sketch and I'm like, this is awful. Like, yeah. awful written. <laughs> uh, Billy Bob Thompson of the Fico Brothers in Camp Woods, BBT, wants to know, uh, what is your favorite tune from a Broadway musical? Uh, I've done think, a few of them. Yeah, Heaven on, Heaven on My Mind from Jesus Christ Superstar. Okay, yeah. That's probably... Takes it off. That might be my favorite. Yeah, that or Get Enemy. Uh, oh, so both get, go both JCS, huh? Yeah, um, those two are probably my tops because I I like legitimately put on Jesus Christ Superstar to listen to. Yeah, oh, me too. Um, so love it. Yeah, yeah, Billy. Hi, Billy. Yeah. This is that's. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you later too. Yeah, <laughs> I keep wanting to get those guys. Keep wanting to get the Fico brothers on the podcast, uh, but uh, schedules. They're busy guys. Yeah, they are. Um, okay. And just to just to wrap up, I want to make sure we we say some stuff. Uh, David Lynch, when is that? When is the David the Lynch show? The David Lynch show is Friday the thirteenth of July. Ooh. Um, and I don't know when the Camp Woods Plus show is. I actually don't have that date in front of me. Uh, that I think it's around there with Tap City. Yep. Tap uh, City, which will be the premiere full length show from Aaron Aaron Luke. and Luke Field. Yeah. Uh, I've seen them do some stuff already, and yeah, everything pretty, they've done has been pretty great, pretty decent. Yeah, that's uh, why they were immediately asked because. So David Lynch is the Friday thirteenth of July. July. Uh, Camp Woods Plus, we just found out, is Wednesday, Wednesday July twenty fifth. And uh, we have a lot of good material for both. I mean, Sam wrote, Sam wrote for the David Lynch sketch, probably one of the best table reads we've ever had. Wow. So I'm excited to okay. to do both these shows because we're all kind of easy. Well, is it Narizi? Yeah, is yeah. Sam, that's the other thing about Camp Woods is everybody in the group. It's like I couldn't tell you one person is a better writer than anybody else. Okay. Because we we all kind of have our niche, and then we all excel at it. Mm -hmm. And we've all had sketches that have totally killed. Um, but Sam, Pat, Pat, I hate. Like, Pat's one of those people yeah. I just fucking, oh, yeah. he gets on my nerves because sure. he has one of those that curly pug hair. faces. Yeah. He has, like, those ugly pug faces. Right. Um, but you know, he's, he's like an exceptional writer. Like he's, that's, he's probably the most quiet person in Camp Woods in terms of like getting respect for as good of a writer as he is. Mm -hmm. But like him and Sam, like they just, I don't think like, cause I have a lot of bravado and I lie to people and I tell people <laughs> I'm great. And, uh, it's just one of those things where, um, you know, a, those guys don't do that and they write better stuff than me all the time. And like, it's just, it. I'm I'm very happy to be working with the people I'm working with because it it's it's driven me to be a much better comedian. Yeah. And the sketch show is in October. Sketch show, it, yeah. The premiere of the house team is in is in October. Campwoods will be doing like a, basically a best of Latage show for Fringe. Okay. We're gonna do a run of that, um, and then I think we're gonna have, yeah, we're gonna have, we have a couple shows in New York coming up, so we're just hitting both. And, is there anything else? Uh, no, man. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, thanks for thanks for doing it. Hey, if you if you uh, got to this point in the podcast, <laughs> can you just put a message on my wall that says twenty five on my Facebook wall? Just put the number twenty five. This was a long one. <laughs> this you, is, you better edit it. There, uh, we're at two hours and fifteen. Gee. Minutes. Jesus Christ! Does I'm it feel sorry. like we've been talking for two hours and fifteen no. minutes? No, I like I like that. 
I like I like the. Yeah, that was an easy conversation. Uh, I, You're a I very like, good conversationalist. Thank Mike. you, thank you very much, uh, and thank you once again for uh, for getting close. Yeah. Uh, we never really. I can't wait till I can interview you for we, too close. <laughs> with Rob Bennett. <laughs> we we've talked increasingly more over the last few months. Yeah. Um, probably no more than we have just in this yeah. two and a half. That's good. Two and a half hours. So I really. That's enjoyed the best it. way to do it. Yeah. So thank you once again. We're like, yeah, we're you shake hands. have a good conversation now. You can. Um, but yeah, thanks again for uh, for getting close. Yeah. We did it. We have made it to the end of the Getting Close with Mike Marbach podcast featuring Rob Banowitz. It was a long one, even by getting close standards. It was, uh, it was a lengthy journey, and I really hope that you've made it this far. If you did make it this far, then what I'd like you to do is go back to Rob's wall on Facebook, on the Facebook, and do exactly what he requested you do to prove that you've listened to this. I'm not going to say what it is. That would defeat the purpose. Maybe you skip to the end. Uh, he said it's somewhere during the podcast. Um, so hopefully there will be some people going on doing that, proving that they, they stuck it out. Uh, it's not a really big deal, people. I mean, it's a podcast. You don't have to sit through it in one, one listen. Uh, you can pause it. You can pick it up. You can put it down, pick it up over, uh, listen to it over a week, a month, a year. You could do it while you pay bills or play nerdy card games or write to your pen pal in Saskatchewan. It's a Canadian province, people. I don't know what you know or don't know. I don't know your life. All I'm saying is that I really hope that you enjoyed this podcast with Rob Banowitz. Uh, I know I did. Uh, I want to thank him for his time, for his stories, for his opinions on all things comedy. It was a really good conversation. And you can catch him on July 13th with Camp Woods in the David Lynch Festival. And also July 25th in Camp Woods Plus. It's their monthly show that he was talking about. It's fantastic. I've seen a couple of them myself. Always has great guests down. Always a great show. Always a good time. Check it out. Speaking of great shows, you can catch uh, Here's Johnny at the Philly Improv Theater on July 8th. Uh, Guest to be announced. Um, So yeah, check that out July 8th, 8.30 p.m. It's a Sunday. Well, that's all I have to plug or to say. Uh, Thanks for listening and thanks for getting close. My mind is clear now At last All too well I can see Where we all Soon will be If you strip away The myth From the man You will see Where we all